Vanessa. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for inviting me into your really cool studio space. Yeah, for sure. In the uh, really unique and beautiful area of Oak Park. How long have you been in this space? Uh, three to four months. Yeah. Three to four months? You don't, you don't know exactly. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> I mean, my grand opening was December 4th. So oh, okay. I'm guessing, yeah, four months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's four months, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. And what draw you to wanting to have a studio space? Because you're only 23. You just turned 23. I just turned 23 this week. Yeah, uh, I wasn't, like, ever planning it, really. Um, mostly everything was just about, like, making my art and trying to figure out, like, what type of art I wanted to do. Uh, but my boyfriend actually found an ad on Facebook just saying, like, oh, there's a studio available, and it has an artist preference. Uh, so I tried it out, and I filled out the whole application, and somehow I, I got it. <laughs> so, like, I'm just trying to, like, take advantage of the opportunity and, like, make the best out of what I could do here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So it, it's set up to design, like, it's designed for artists to, like, live here? Yeah, so it's a live live space, like, live, live workspace type of thing. Um, but, like, the artist preference is really what they were trying to push, so it took forever for them to find a tenant. I think uh, my landlord said it took them six months. So really? Yeah, and it surprised me because, to me, it's like, who wouldn't want to live here? Like, I love, like, being in this area, and it's, like, kind of calm, even though, like, it's Oak Park, it's, like, pretty chill in this area. Mm-hmm. I'm not on a main, main street, so, but I still get, like, some traffic. To me, it's perfect. Um, but yeah, she went to like SAC, Columbia, trying to just like give everyone posters, like, hey, like, look at this great space. And no one wanted it. Weird. Nobody wanted it. And then like her last ditch effort was like during December, like for a Christmas special, she put out like a little sale, like, okay, like we're going to have like a new price. So there's going to be like 25% off like the first month's rent and everything just to get some more interested applications. Mm-hmm. And to this day, like I was the only applicant. What? So, I mean, I'm glad I didn't have any competition. You know what I mean? <laughs> you might have still gotten it because you have some really cool art. And Thank you. You're welcome. I, I remember seeing you. I, I think I reached out to you to do DZ Fest, but you couldn't do it. Yeah. And why? Unfortunately. Yeah, I really wanted to, but I don't have a car. So oh. I was like, oh, Hickory Hills is far. Oh and I had to, goodness. I remember going there once. <laughs> I only went there once in my life. I was uh, actually a benefits advisor for Aflac. Like I was mm. like an insurance agent. And I had to go all the way over there to sell insurance to this grocery store company. And it took me like five buses. And it was raining that day. And it was kind of cold. You don't know anybody with a car? Well, I did, but my boyfriend was working that time. So then he had to like drive me from their back. And it was just like a whole thing. Well, so, this time around, he can come with you. Exactly. To yeah. sell art. <laughs> and because I, everyone I know that does it does very well and they love it. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, your artwork, how much of your artwork around here is yours? Uh, right now, like 25% of it. 25% yeah, of it. Yeah. So the stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about your art a little bit more? Because I've when I first saw it when when I was speaking with you last probably last April or May or June, I don't remember at this point. Mm-hmm. I remember really liking it and thinking it was a cool blend of like it almost seemed like um I don't know, it's it's like it's cute. It's 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 obviously well made. I like the bright colors, but I also like the play and like it seems like not real characters and like food, but yeah. not food, and uh-huh. it's like it's own little universe that you mm-hmm. work on. Can you can you talk about that and maybe describe sure. where that comes from? When that started? 
Uh, not too long ago. I think six months ago. I mean, everything here kind of started six months ago. Uh, before that, I was a manager at a pet store. So like, it kind of like all happened quickly. But you had artwork before that. I did, but all of it was like traditional. Mm. So a lot of it was just like, I want to stay with the curriculum from school. They're telling me to draw like figure drawing, realistic. So I was super into realism, but it would just take so long for me to like pump out work that I got discouraged. Um, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to work, like save some money, like just like focus on that. Um, but like murals in like Logan Square, I'd say mostly mm. Logan Square, Pilsen, um, like big names like JC Rivera, Scent Rock, like they were kind of like what inspired me to like make my own character. Mm-hmm. And it was just like so simple to like make those type of drawings all the time and like just create a new portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, people think it looks like Adventure Time characters, which I uh, like. Ah, that's okay. See, I, never, I mm-hmm. haven't really seen a lot of that show, but that makes perfect sense yeah, now I see it. I'm like okay I could see it now mm-hmm. very jolly very happy thank you and you said schools did you go to school for art I went to SAIC oh me too like a year me and too. a half oh nice for my MFA so yeah nice fancy yeah. okay well I wish I would have wish I would have gotten my bachelor's um I, I tried it but like after one and a half years like I tried to go back for my next semester so like to end my sophomore year but I couldn't, um, like, for, like, financial reasons. They were like, oh, sorry, like, you could, like, pay us back and then come back. So it was a little bit too much for me at the time. So it's, I an evi- it's a very expensive school. It, it is. It's brutal. Yeah. It's one of the more expensive schools in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a really good experience, but I feel like they do lure you in with, like, scholarships. Because I got the presidential scholarship, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's so cool. And mm-hmm. then I found out, like, 25% of the people I talked to also had the presidential scholarship. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. I liked it, and I feel like I learned enough to get to where I am now. So, like, I like to think of it like I didn't need all four years, but the rest I'm just kind of, like, learning on my own. Mm-hmm. It's just taking a little bit longer, but... Yeah, art school is interesting. I I went to Columbia College for undergrad, which is more like a liberal arts school, mm-hmm. and then for the, to the Art Institute for my MFA, which is one of the more bigger and extreme fine art schools in the world, especially for masters of fine arts programs. Mm-hmm. And I have a love hate relationship with both because I learned so much in both, but I also know how expensive both were. And so much of art is subjective and more about the work you do. But what I've learned that I got out of it was the way we talk about art, different philosophies, different uh, approaches, uh, the in-depth conversations of looking through it, around it, beneath it, above it, not just seeing it at what it is here in time and space, but where it came from, where it's going, what it means, how it makes you feel, much more than those superficial conversations. Mm-hmm is what I got out of those types of experiences. And just meeting other people, like-minded things, a lot of school is the experience of the social interactions of creativity and free thinking. And that's what makes it a big plus as far as like an education. You're not just getting that's true. grades, yeah. you're getting like experience with other educators and professors that have other, they're very much enriched in this subject matter and they have a lot of life experience they can guide you and give you insight into like what you should do or how you should go about it. You should move to New York because you're doing this. You should move to LA because you're doing that. I have friends that do this. You're good at that. I'll hook you up with this internship. There's a lot of that connection, Mm -hmm. which you get out of university. And a lot of people don't talk about that. They just say like, oh, go to school and like learn something. It's like you learn a lot more than just, oh, this is what that means or that's what this math equation equates to or that's what, what an element is in chemistry. No, it's like make connections with professors, other students, you build bonds, you can grow outside of the classroom, go to different 
cool like social events because a classmate has a gallery space like this, but it's in Wicker Park. All these things that come out of it, it's not just like class and a grade, you know. And you, I really started to learn that more in graduate school because you do a lot more of that type of outside of the classroom work, okay. you know. But I've also learned that if you put in the, the work, because that's all really a BFA or MFA is, is it's the body of work, portfolio, portfolio work, you might not really need a degree if you're willing to do the body of work and do the social networking yourself, which you clearly are in this space by having people come to you. And I, I know that when I see it, because I also did it in my space and continue to do so, where I have people, first the neighborhood, then font, like surrounding neighbors, surrounding cities, then Chicago, then people around the Midwest, then the country, and now the planet. I've had people from all over the world come to my basement to record and film and stuff and perform. So now I know what it's like to have those, like it's like an inverted connection. Instead of going out into the world and seeing it, I just had them come to me and bring their culture, ideas, concepts, food, techniques, language, fashion, ideas, style, genres to me. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird way of getting it, but that's what you're getting in this space by like letting people come in. And you get some weird things like kids knocking on the glass. Yeah, there's actually a preschool on the same street. So <laughs> every morning they come in and like they knock on the door. They're just like, oh, what art do you have now? So it's like it's a constant thing. Um, but I, I do like how like they're attracted to the cute art here. They see and they go, oh, Adventure Time. No, exactly. That's more of like an adult show, right? Adventure Time. I think so. I don't. I, At least like teenage, teenage to like older. But yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. No, but not I not like yeah. like Rick and Morty or anything like that, which no, is very no. mature. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, I'm sure the kids love it. They're like, what is this space? What are all these colors? How do I go in there? Do you do you allow like kids come in there all the time? Oh yeah, yeah. All the time. Do they like are they touchy? Do they like touch the artwork and stuff? Sometimes. Well I feel like their parents are good at just like, oh don't touch the painting. So like I'm I'm fine with it now. Like yeah. I have embraced like the cuteness of it. It is. It's very much cute. I like it. Um so when did you start making art and when did you realize it was kind of something you wanted to do just beyond like a hobby or passion? Like you yourself. Two years old. <laughs> like I was, really I was probably young. two. Yeah. I like, I remember drawing with my grandmother like all the time. Like I would just like sit on her bed and we would just like doodle all the time. That was like when I knew I feel like, and it wasn't taking anything seriously like through elementary school to middle school, even high school. Um, but it's just like a constant thing that I would always just keep drawing and drawing. Um, but yeah, until now, like that's the only time that I have like my own style and it's taken me like two decades to like cultivate it. But it's weird because like when I look at this type of art, like this is what I've been drawing when I was little. So it's like going back to like the old styles and like what I really, really like to do. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of always been a part of who you are. Always, yeah. And family did art at all? There's Yeah, there's like a lot of artistic people in my family, like mostly music. So like my cousin, like he's in a band. I have another cousin that like does like artwork full time. So like I've always like looked up to them. Um, but now like it's weird because they look up to me and like the studio, they're like, oh, can I get some art in your studio? I'm like, of course you can. (laughs) Even my mom, like she has some paintings here. She's had like some resin pieces that she'd made. Like she's picked up new hobbies and she's like, oh, you inspired me to like make art. Oh, that's amazing. So So your mom got into it later in life? Yeah, like just these past couple months, just like after seeing this place, she's like, I want to put my art in my daughter's studio. That's so cool. Yeah. It's very rare that a child of a parent, you're not a child, but a kid of a parent like inspires them to do what they do. That's usually the opposite. Like you look up to your parents, you're inspired by them to do something. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. That well, says a lot about what you're doing then, because not a lot of people your age 
have this and have so much output and have like this little community you, you have going on here, which is really Thank cool. Yeah. yeah, and you have musicians play here too, right? I do, mm-hmm. which is somehow, it's, it's kind of not allowed. So, but I mean, no one said anything yet, so I still do it. Um, that's I the just, approach, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't had any drummers. That's my thing. That so. is probably the only thing that's saving you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a PA system? No, like, no. So you just do acoustic stuff? Just acoustic. That's probably, those two things are what's helping. Exactly. You can get away with that forever. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I've been fine. So I yeah. think I'm just going to keep doing it. And if anything, like I'll probably get a warning. And then I'll still keep doing it until I get like probably my third one. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> this place just, is small enough to do that. It is. It's like, yeah, it's like a know. nice, like intimate setting, I feel like, which mm-hmm. are like kind of like the shows that I like the most instead of like super crowded, like I can't handle those type mm-hmm. of situations. Um, but yeah, I think eventually like I will outgrow the space maybe like in a couple years, but for now, like this is perfect. Yeah, it is. It's a great starting space. I mean, it's like 20 by 20 feet. What helps is these the like high ceilings, 17 foot ceilings. Yeah. You could, that's only the dra- one drawback of doing the podcast and you know, how reverberant yeah. it is in here. Woo! It's, mm-hmm. So it's like going to not be as controlled of a recording, you know, with all that space. But it, it probably sounds cool with people singing. With acoustic guitars, yeah. probably sounds really nice in this space. Very, very nice. And so you play in a band too, right? Yes. What's your, ba- your band name? Hollow Garden. Where'd or that... Olive Garden, as some people want to say. But it's, uh, how do you say it? Hollow Garden. Hollow Garden. Mm-hmm. And where'd that name come from? Uh, we actually came up with just a list of words that we like. And mm. We're like, okay, what do we like? Uh, we like gardens, flowers, and then we just kind of picked two that like sounded well together, and we just kept, kept on that name. And you, you sing and play guitar in it? I don't sing, no. So mm. we have a singer. Um, we used to have a drummer for like a little bit, um, but before we ended up playing any shows, he was kind of out of the picture. So right now it's like guitarist, bassist, and a singer. Mm. Mm-hmm. So just guitar? Yeah, just guitar. How long have you been playing guitar? Uh, like four years. Okay. Yeah. So self-taught, just picked it up? Self-taught, yeah. But I feel like they helped me like really like grow like my skill over the last year. Yes, that's a great point. I... I've heard it from uh, this guitar player who I admire and look up to. His name is Jay Maskus of this band, Dinosaur Junior. Mm-hmm. You ever hear of them? No. They're, they've been around for like 45 years. Wow, okay. Maybe like 40. Long time. And he said like the best way to become a good you know, musician or, or learn how to an instrument is just join a band. And mm-hmm. it's so true. The, the most productive I've ever been with the band is just, or as a musician, is being in a band. Because... As a drum, if you have a drummer, they give you good timing. They teach you how to figure out measures and, and lay out a song, and they give you like glue. And if you're a drummer, then the guitar player does that for you. Like mm-hmm. the, it feeds off each other. If you have a singer, then you learn how to do different things. Maybe follow a melodic riff. Learn how to get better at singing in key because you have other melodic instruments to to have your key matched with them to know when you're out or in tune. All these things build up, and you become much better with coming up with ideas. It also pushes you to think of new ideas because then you gain this psychological momentum. You're like, well, let's play a show. Well, we don't want to play a show, we have a song. We have a song, we can make a record. We have one record, now we have to start a new one. And this feedback mm-hmm. kind of builds up the music for you. Like it starts creating it itself if you have the passion and drive. That's so true. But doing it alone, it could be kind of defeating and harder. It takes a type of discipline to get better at it alone um, as a solo musician or as someone on your own. you People do it all the time, but it's a different type of way of learning. And sometimes if people are solo musicians, they might have started playing earlier, so they have more experience with the guitar. Mm-hmm. But if you start older at like 20 or at uh, 18 or 19 like you, 
it's faster to just join a band. Like you'll fast track this process yeah. so much, you know? Yeah, very true. Yeah. But being in the band is hard. It is. I mean, that's why I say like I'm in a band, but I'm kind of I'm kind of in a band. I'm kind of not. Yeah. So like we made like an EP together. I would say like we all like put in our parts with that. And then recently we came out with an album, and that one like I for sure would give more credit to them. Like I was focusing so much on this place, um, but like I'm really happy they still added me to it, and like <laughs> I still felt included with that. So, but yeah, I still hope to like continue to make music, even if it's just like a one-off thing. Um, but like I still see myself making music with them, like. You know, part time, if anything. Part time, <laughs> but I love it. You know, it's it's just more fun to play music with people. That's right. All it is. Not it's not something you want to do for like a career. Mm. You just want to have fun with it. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, leaving a few bands. I've been in three for a couple of years now. I've been in bands for a while, and I'm just like I've always. I think why I never like made it or try to make it with a band is because that's not what I want. I want to just play for fun, have people to share it with, come up with new ideas with friends, have that moment we're all come together in unison, we sync up, and it's like a very euphoric feeling. It's the same thing you have when you have a funny night with your friends where you're just laughing or like a romantic evening with a partner that everything just goes well. Like That's what it feels like to just come together and have a song click and you go from start to finish and everyone's in it vibing and feeling it. Yeah. I don't really want to get paid to do that on stage and tour in vans. Like That doesn't do anything oh for me. Oh my God, me too. Not at all. No, and they're getting to that point, and like I know they are, so that's why I'm like, mm, I'm opting out. Mm-hmm. But I like want to like bring them up and like try to promote them as much as possible. Like, and that's like a part of why like I do a lot of musical like stuff here because I want to like, promote people and mm-hmm. show off like all the talent that's not even like just in Oak Park, but like in Chicago because there's just so many like talented artists and musicians. Yeah. So I feel like I get more joy out of that. So you you like making things happen. Mm-hmm. I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's hard to explain. It, it's a certain mindset. Some people want to create and they're obsessed with just making songs and they're, they are the ones that want to play shows and tour the world. They just can't help but make art like that. Mm-hmm. Some people like yourself want to make art and have a place to display it and give community to those around you who may not have a spot. They might not have the abilities or the courage to do so. They might be intimidated by a big studio space in the city, but this is a little bit smaller and it's an old park, so it feels more like a nice beginning place for people, which is not a bad thing. I mean, I feel like that with what I do. You know, I, I've reached out to big bands and they go like, no, we're not going to come to your place. But okay, well, I'll start off small. And then, you know, 10, 12 years later of doing it, like you just started, but imagine 10 more years of doing it, yeah, you will be able to get big artists and people who are touring around the world and like doing things you, you never thought. And when you do reach out to someone, they always say yes instead of saying, like, eh, I don't know. But it just takes time, just like it takes time for someone to book bigger shows when they've been making records. You have to keep putting in that work. So it's really good you started so young. Like You started making art at a young, young age, but this type of thing at 22 when you first started is great. Like. I commend you on starting very young. It's very hard and daunting, and most people won't understand it, mm-hmm. especially those family gatherings. Yep. You know, <laughs> I've never met someone that goes like, "Oh yeah, my whole family just loves what I do." No. Tell me some of the questions you get from family. You know what? What, it's, what I'm lucky about though is my close family is very, very supportive. Nuclear family, like parents, yes. siblings. My parents are like 100% like in. They always want to know like what's the next event going on. They come to every single show, so like they get it because I talk about it so often. Mm-hmm. So I love that. It's more just like relatives that are like. 
that's nice. Like that, that's cool. Uh, and almost feels like you're patting on the head. Yes. Good job, Nez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's insulting. Yeah. And yeah. They, they don't get the concept. I, I had um, one uncle that went like, oh, so you're going to just let people bring in their little sketches and drawings into what, your studio? The little, right? Little sketch. Yeah. Little words like that is yeah. what kind of like, those are the jabs that mm-hmm. get me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will give you advice because I've been dealing with the jabs since I was 15 when I, when I created the DZ thing. Mm-hmm. 17 years. Um, use the jabs as fuel. Be kind and courteous. Say, okay, and just move on beyond a person. Because a person who thinks that way, there's a lot of factors. Sometimes they were just born into a life where they were never allowed to do it. So it comes from a place of pure ignorance and jealousy. And that's just, there's a lot of humans like that on this planet. It is what it is. That's the way they have to live. I don't ever want to feel that way. It's kind of a nasty pit. And you spiral and you start to be really frustrated with people. You don't like art. You don't like movies. You, you enjoy them, but you don't like it when people you know do it because you go like, well, they're not working. They're not doing anything. Yeah. Which isn't true mm-hmm. because all forms of art are a form of work that people do for a living, get paid to do it, and it brings a lot of joy to people. You know, Someone might buy one of your paintings, drawings, sketches, um, mixed media pieces, bring it home and get something out of it every morning when they see it. I have art all over my house and every day it does something for me. I see it. When I'm listening to vinyl, I see the artwork on my whole living room of different artists such as yourself that have been kind enough to just give it to me. I have the memory of that. I see what it does for me. I even know the stories behind it. It, it evokes emotion. Am I, am I drinking? Am I sober? Did I smoke weed? Did I take mushrooms? I don't know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> if I did, it means something different all the time. Is it the morning? Is it sunset? Is it sunrise? These things give something to me every day. So does a podcast. I might learn something. So does a song. So does the culinary arts, food. So does your fashion, my fashion. Like These things are art and, and design everywhere. And we use them all day and all night. And people who talk, I'll just be crude, talk crap about it or don't get it, the irony of it is they're using art and they don't even realize it. They might get in their car after the family outing where they were like, oh, your little paintings, and put on a song. Mm-hmm. A song that a musician wrote and made, an engineer conne- or, um, captured and found a way to properly like, dissect it and translate it from a microphone to a speaker for you to consume it in your car on the way home from the family party. You know, Even the, the Corona beer you're drinking, there was a designer who came up with that logo and the label and the color scheme, the pattern and the promotion of it. Like, Even the PR and the business of putting that is an art form. It's the art form of economics. Like, It's all around you. So it's very small thinking and very ignorant of those who don't see that. Sometimes they're just not educated in it. Sometimes it truly is envy and jealousy that like you're doing something you enjoy and you're having fun and they're not. And that's not your fault, but it is something you have to live with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different for men and women. Uh, it's different for different ethnicities. It's different for different ages. It, it's a very complicated thing, you know. We were talking about it earlier, but as a woman, you deal with art in a different way because people, this is what I've learned. This are not my words. This is my anecdotal experience coupled with many female artists that I've worked with and asked these types of questions. So correct me if I'm wrong or give me your own thought on it, but it seems like you now deal with the way you look with the art. It becomes, it can become sexualized. And that's, that's hard because you're like, I just want to make art. I want people to see it. It shouldn't be about who I am. And then it becomes skin color. 
white, brown, black, these start to become factors. And it gets really dark and complicated, you know. That's so true. And I mean. That's so true. I think for me, um, and it just stuck with me because one of my good friends told me that the reason why I'm getting more DMs lately isn't because I'm getting more followers, but it's just because guys have an in with me than they do with other girls that just post like selfies of themselves. Mm-hmm. With them, it's just like, oh, she's pretty, but I don't know what to really text her about. I'm just not going to DM her. But with me, it's just like, oh, I like your art. And then I'm like, oh, cool, he likes my art. Maybe he's going to buy something. And then like two messages later, it's just like, want to go out? All right. Like, this is not a dating app. Like, thank you, but like, it's you Instagram. Instagram. It's Instagram. Like, come on. Like, it's no. not a dating app. No. No. And by the way, that's not a great way to get a date. <laughs> it's really not. And like, the amount of like creepy, weird texts that I get, or even like, not, they don't have to be creepy, but just the amount that I get from that is just a little bit discouraging. Mm. Um, so that's why like, I've been posting like, less photos of myself, more photos of my art, which kind of sucks too because I want people to know like, the person behind the art mm-hmm. and like, the personality behind the art and like, why I make it. So it's kind of tough like, knowing when to post pictures of me and like, friends and when to just not do it at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Constantly learning. There's like, not a good way to do it or a bad way. There's just always going to be people that you know, take advantage, have an in, and they just message you. People just randomly say that stuff. They just message you that. hmm they don't email you about doing a podcast. Right, that's what I want. I want more emails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't deal with what you deal with mm-hmm. at all. Like, no, I don't. I don't think I've ever been hit on through Instagram. Like, not like that. I don't ever. I'm mm-hmm. a man, and I'm 32. I'm not 22. You're in a different generation of like that's normalized. Like the the DM thing. In that's fact, true. I don't even say the phrase DM, the abbreviation. Like that's such a new, I don't even say that. It took me a long time to figure out what people meant when they said that. I'm like, DM, what is that? Direct message. I was uh-huh. like, oh my God. Like that's what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm an old man and I hide away. And I even notice if I post a photo with myself in it versus not, it'll be a little bit more engagement. I'm sure you oh, notice yeah. it tremendously. That's so true. Tremendously. It's very different for women on social media. Um, it, it It's weird. It almost does translate to how you have to, if you are in a dating app, it's almost like the same thing. Women deal with a massive influx of things and they have to take all this information and decide who to talk to. Men have to send it. It's a completely different dynamic and that translates to the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter world where women are taking way more coming at them and men have to put it out. Like it's, it's so obvious and it's very, I don't agree with it, I don't like it, but it's like what we've normalized as a society and evolutionary speaking, it's what we've been doing for a long time and now we do it in a weird way. But because we can hide behind an avatar if it's YouTube, even on Instagram, people have fake accounts all the time, people think they can get away with so much more. Just like, oh, we'll just see what happens, I have nothing to lose. And you can do that, but there's nicer ways to do it. Mm-hmm. There's be- definitely better ways to even preface it with like, I'm not trying to be weird or anything. I just enjoy this. Would you like to do that? If not, totally cool. I'm just doing it. That's much better than like, cool art. You want to go out? <laughs> See, that's, that's the thing though. Like the preface, you got it. Like if there was a preface to it, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. But there's never like that no. line. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes it so awkward. And then like they just keep messaging and messaging or like there's like a couple of them that they like spam like 40 messages at a time and they send videos like there's like one guy like he's like a runner or something like that and he sends me like just went on my run did 40 minutes of running 
I sweat today. That means I lost calories. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, good for you, man. Like, I'm, and then sometimes, like, rarely, like, I'll just text them back, like, oh, good job. And then that fuels it. And then they keep texting me back. I'm like, why did I do that? And by like, text, you mean nice. DM? Yeah, I DM them back. I message them back. And then it just kind of like keeps going. So I don't You're know. You're trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice and I don't know how to block people. That's what it is. So I just keep like filtering You, you got to start blocking people. I know. It's so hard. Because then I just feel like, oh, I'm going to have more haters. People are going to like make more accounts and speak bad about me. I don't know. I get anxiety with that. I'm how? I'm sorry. That's, again, I don't have this problem. Mm-hmm. I'll, 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 def, I'll get strange guys. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like. Yeah, I, like just simple stuff. Like something that would be better off that just emailed me than just like check this out, check this out. Like, ch- what do you think of this? And it's like I I can't listen to everyone's music. I'm listening. All I do for a living is listen to analyze music and sound. Like day in and day out, from morning, noon, and night at a university professionally with students at my studio professionally. I just did it today with a band from Portland, Maine. I'm here now in Oak Park. Like. I go home, I'm going to work on that stuff, and tomorrow I go down to Bloomington and do it again with students, and then Friday I have a band from Wichita, Kansas. Like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. So, like, to be Instagram message, check out my link, you're like, I mean, I don't know you, I'll, I'll try, but, like, and then what? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I, I, I feel very flattered, and it's super flattering when someone, like, respects you and wants your opinion on something, but I don't have, there's not enough time for me to do that. And it's only going to keep, if I keep doing it, it'll only keep going up. Mm-hmm. So I I respect it and admire when people do that. I just wish they would first of all say it in a more professional way and and email, not Instagram message. I use Instagram for a very quick like if someone's not responding to an email, I'll message them. Hey, I just sent you an email, just letting you know. Because sometimes people are bad with emails. Mm-hmm. But I try to keep it from that or very superficial. Like someone sends a smiley, you send to this and like and ends there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just the Hey man, check out my thing. It's like, and then what? Like you're you're one of thousands that have sent me that. Like I don't know what to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So, how many men would you say message you those types of things? Like a week or a day, if you had a number. Like five times a week. Five times a week. Yeah, but I, then I also get like the messages of like check out my art, and I don't know what to do with them anymore. Because like I don't have like any upcoming events or anything, so I'm like, well, oh, for I'll people put, you. put their art here. Yeah, which is nice, but also like I have a page where you could, you know, directly yeah. send like all your stuff like in the right way mm-hmm. um, with all your information. So it, like it's been a little bit difficult with that. So then of course I send them the link, but then they keep messaging me back like, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of this art style? Should I change this and this? And like I want to message everybody back. And, Can I like, give, give you a suggestion? Tips. Because it, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. and it gets very overwhelming. Create a prompt in Google Drive or whatever mm-hmm. that just says "Hello, thank you for reach, reaching out to Nest Studios. I appreciate your interest. Uh, please email me at this link and submit your art there, and I will take a look at it, or I will get to it. I have a lot of artwork to consider, but I appreciate you reaching out. It means a lot to me. Something like that. Thank you, yep. Nest. Send that and then just, that's it. If they don't go further with it, they weren't that serious, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, that's on them because that's the professional way to handle it. Like, you're not their friend. You're not, you don't even know these people. They're just reaching out to you, which is awesome. And I, now I know, I mean, I know why you feel the need to respond like that. Mm-hmm. I do too. I respond to everyone as much as I can. Sometimes things go to the, the private or the non-general message. It gets lost. That happens a lot too. Same thing with Messenger on Facebook. 
but I try to, and I usually just defer them to the email because I instead of having the business account on Facebook, which you probably have, mm-hmm. right, and then the private Facebook messenger of just your account, then the Instagram one, then if you have anything else, I don't know if you have Twitter or YouTube, but you can get comments messages that way. Then emails, you might have multiple emails. You start to be like, I can't keep up. And then t- sometimes people get your number because you probably have your number for the studio. Yep. I have mine for DZ Records. So I, I get some crazy phone calls and text messages. Between you know 10 different avenues of receiving something that should just go to one place, it's overwhelming and you lose track. And I'm like, I always say, like, please send it to this email. Like Every inquiry should be through that so I can keep track of it professionally. I want to be on top of it. And psychologically, as soon as you start feeding into the more private stuff, like a private message, it starts to like the, the person on the other end might go, well, they're messaging me, so therefore this is cool. And I even become guilty of it. I've tried not to do it. I'm like, I'll just text the person. I have their number. I'm like, oh, no, this doesn't need to be a text message. It could be an email. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like I'm trying to get stuff done fast, and I know a text message is faster and easier to see than an email, you know, but it becomes just unhealthy. You have to try to stick to email. Unless, like today, we, we had an inquiry. It's like, we knew what we were doing. It's clearly we should be texting the address and I'm going to be there in 10 minutes versus emailing. Email. Like, it just doesn't make exactly. sense. You know, it's yeah. a different dynamic. But mm-hmm. Instagram is a weird place and it's a weirder place for women. Very, Very true. You know, mm-hmm. is it, does it feel like it, um, as an artist, do you feel trapped sometimes with like, not knowing how to react or should you, like, do you feel, well, I'll let you speak. You said you had a lot of anxiety about it. I think so. I mean, I haven't found another app that really, like, fosters, like, artistic people. Mm-hmm. So I know, like, I think last year, um, like, the CEO of Instagram said, that, like, it's not a photo sharing app anymore. It's about video. So I've been trying to do video more. But I think when I started sharing video, it was more about me. So I have one of, like, me just talking about, like, why I started the studio. Um, so people, like, heard my voice, which they haven't before. And then, like, they just saw me, like, just more, like, animated, I guess. And they got to see more of my personality. Um, and then I just did, like, more collaboration videos with other people. And since I did that, more people felt like, oh, well, she seems like someone that's approachable and I could message her. So I feel like I'm, I'm doing more to gain more attention of my art, but at the same time, like, it always is going to just create naturally, like, more negative messages, which I can't control. Um, I'm trying to find another app that could also, like, help my art career because everything that I've gotten has been from Instagram. So, like, a lot of good has also come from the app, too. Absolutely. So, like, I don't want to discredit any of that. Like, no. oh, my gosh. Like, all the artists that I have in here that I've had since the beginning are from Instagram. Technology is a wonderful tool mm-hmm. when used right. Yep. It is an awful tool when used wrong or in the wrong hands. I love technology. It's it's why we're here right now. It's these microphones, the fact that we can communicate through Instagram. We need these things as artists. It's especially if people who are doing um, not time-based media like a drawing or a painting. Mm-hmm. Instagram's amazing for that. It's it can get you out into the whole world way faster than anything ever in history. But it comes at a price where now everyone can also reach you. They can reach out to you. So like I said, I'd, I'd recommend just a prompt like that. Think like it might take some trial and error, but think of something that covers everything mm-hmm. to where you don't have to respond to anything after they say that because then they should be emailing you if they're serious. If they're not serious and they keep messaging you, that means they're not serious. So, like, that's the block or delete, yep. you know, because, well, if I gave them my email and told them like I can't respond through here, I have a lot of people to consider and they're still going on about it, 
they clearly aren't a serious artist who wants to utilize this base and you know what I've provided. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's different. It's it's sketchy for ladies. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll try that though. I'll it's just an idea. Yeah, no, I'm gonna try it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're more new to this. I mean, how long have you been using Instagram? Not seriously, like for maybe for a year, even like under that. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't been using it. I've had it for eight years, but I didn't start using it a lot more until like 2017, 18. So about five, six years of experience. And I've learned that you, you just have to kind of do that. But I don't get the weirder message from like, girl, girls mm-hmm. are not messaging guys weird stuff. Not, at least not someone that looks like me. I'm not, I don't have a lot of money. So mm-hmm. like, I, I'm telling you like, I feel like a man's only going to get a lot of messages if they're like just one of those super attractive guys or have money. Like why else? That's just, that's the way society's made it and laid it out. And the opposite is true for women. It's like all you have to do is just be remotely young and attractive and you will get bombarded regardless of fame or money. It's just different. It's a completely different thing. So, and it comes with way more like, you could be way more threatened by it. Like, I'm not threatened. If you message me something, like, or a woman inappropriate, I'd, I'd laugh. I would be like, I'm not even scared. Like, what are you going to do? It's not the same for women. It's, it's truly different. Men can be way more aggressive and way more intrusive, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Does that ever, do you ever think about that, like being here all the time? Yep. Yeah, Google My Business is linked to my Instagram. So if they go on it, they see um, where my studio's at, and then they also see studio hours, which, like, aren't consistent. So sometimes, like, I have to change that, by the way. So if someone stops by, I might not even be here. So I'm trying to, like, avoid that. I don't want any negative reviews. Um, But, yeah, like, it's kind of weird knowing that, like, they know at this time that I'm going to be here. So if they really wanted to, they could come over here. And, like, that does kind of creep me out sometimes. So I always try to keep, like friends or family, like someone with me, um, but I'm still trying to get used to like, what's the safer way to do it? What's like a way to avoid situations like that? Or even can I avoid situations like that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's tough. It's, it's, it's the thing is though, like even the way you just said that, you like, it's tough. Like you smirked and you're just like, mm, say la vie, such is life. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how artists and, and people and women should have to live where you just go, well, it's scary and sucks, but what like we've normalized like the aggression and like the the intrusiveness mm-hmm. and the overstepping to where every woman I know is just like, yep, but that's just the way it is. Like I've been dealing with it since I was born, and I'm like, that's I don't have to deal with that. I I also live where I record. I I live where I have a festival where thousands of people come, a studio where thousands of people have been, a podcast studio, sessions record like everything I live and I never am scared never fear anything granted I have a big dog that lives there I have a couple roommates that are big we're all guys like but I'm not really scared I don't have to go like "Eh, that's just life I just go like if someone comes in here I'll just I'll kill them myself with my bare hands I'm not scared (laughs) like I know but like I'm truly not and I don't have to think what you have to think about I never go like I'll only do it if a family member's here it's like I'll I'll meet random people from across the country I don't know and they could stay the night in my living room. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of them. You would be crazy to do that. You would never do that. No. I've done that so many times. People I don't know, yeah, they're a touring band. Go sleep on the couch. Here's some pillows and blankets. Take a shower if you need to. I've done this countless times. You would be crazy to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So like that's still a risk on you though. Not gonna lie. It is. You never know. You just never know. I'm just a little crazy. Okay. Well, I feel like you've been doing it for a long time, so I I get why. I do it a long time, and I think I established like a type of rapport with people, and and I can tell if someone's a little like I don't think I'd want them to stay there. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I go, if someone tries doing something sketchy, like they don't want to upset me. You know, like I will. They don't want to, and I can't. I think I established like don't mess with me. But that's what men are, have been allowed to act like. Like, yeah, if you mess, like, I will hurt you. Like, don't, like, you could sleep here, but be aware. Like, I got a dog, and I'm not afraid of you. You you can't, you're not, I'm sorry, Nez, you're not scary. Like, But see, that's the <laughs> other thing, too. Like, if I was to be scary, first of all, like, everyone says I'm not scary. Okay. But, like, if I had, like, that, like, resting face or whatever, I still feel like girls can't do that. Like, you no. have to be nice. And if you do look mean, you have to work on acting nice or looking nice. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even when you're just, like, at rest and you're just looking at your phone, like, you have to, like, have a little half smile on your face. So That's a great point. You yeah. always have to be, like, happy and polite. So, or or then, I don't know. I just it feel gets like it's, it's darker, harder. too, than that because... yeah. I read. I'm reading this really dark book that's been brutal. I read it at like 6:45 in the morning. I don't know why I start my day with this, but it. I go on a walk after for five miles. I know, and I'm just like, I'm just. I go with my roommate. I'm just like so down. It's called why men or when men behave badly. Mm-hmm. It is disturbing. It's the most I've ever heard, like, or read the word rape. It's like every sentence. It's it's a great book. And the world should read it, especially men. But it is very hard to read. And one of the quotes in there is so disturbing, but it says, the worst thing men fear from women is embarrassment or rejection. The worst thing women fear from men is rape and death. And I'm like, that's, that is so, they're so far on the opposite. Mm -hmm. I've never feared rape or death from a woman ever, like ever. And I've been in crazy situations at my house with all the stuff I do. I've never even thought about it. I'm sure you can't say that. And yeah, it's true. The most I've ever feared from a woman is like embarrassment or or rejection. And that doesn't really hurt you. It just makes you go like learn, okay, next time I won't say that or okay, I'll learn how to better approach somebody. That's the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. A woman fears something very different. So that right there is probably where you s- said like that logic's probably where women feel the need to be happy and it's okay because you you're in a different place. It's obviously men could be abused in different ways, but it's nowhere near the numbers that women get. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So I think with that in mind, we women have learned like I gotta be happy and cool and fit in and smile and make people happy because I don't want to fear this deep deep thing, which is the darkest thing a person can experience. You know, and I don't even know how we got this subject. But- no. I hope it's okay we're talking No, about. yeah, that's so true. I feel like it's also just limiting. Um, like when I lived with my parents in Berwyn, I went to SAIC. So I chose not to dorm because I mean, SAIC is already expensive as it is. Yes. So I was like, I'm just going to stay living with them and I'm going to you know, I'm gonna have to hold a job and do all that. So I would have to take a train. Um, so the blue line, actually, the one right across the street from me, mm-hmm. I would take a bus to the train and the train to school. And I would do that like pretty early in the morning, like 5.30 I'd have to get up to get ready. And then by the time like I got on the train, I'd be there like just on time. So the morning was fine, obviously, but it's at night. Like if I took a night class or something like that and I'd come home at like 9.30, 10.30 p.m., 
it freaked me out so much to just be like on that train because there's so many. And of course, like I feel like every girl that I talk to has a situation on the train. And I, I wish I didn't know so many people that have a situation, but like I've had one, all my friends had one. It's just Give like, me an example oh my God. of the situation you're referring to. Just like, so there was, um, I remember, I think I was a freshman. And there was like one like really big guy and you could smell like the beer like off of him. He was holding like a paper bag, like very stereotypical scary guy. Yeah. And he sat like right next to me. He was super, super close. And I was like, okay, I'm freaking out because my stop is like two to three stops away. And so I'm trying to get up and he doesn't let me move. He just like kind of like moves his body forward so I can't like really move like where his legs are. Um, and then he just like puts his hand on my leg and he starts like squeezing it. Yeah, that creeped me out. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to call my mom. I'm just going to have a conversation with her. She wasn't picking up at the time. So then I called my dad. He instantly replies. And I'm just like, can I just stay on the phone with you? And I think that freaked him out a little bit because he could hear somebody on the other like end of the phone. So I got out of that, but like ever since then, like I needed somebody with me. Like even if it was just a friend, like a guy friend that like was storming at the time and he would go all the way back with me and then he would go back to his place. Wow, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's awful. And it, the sad thing is, is like it's not just me. Like my no. story is not unique and there's so many other people that have that or worse or more times that have experienced it, so... Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like I shrug because it's just like I don't know what to do. If if I knew what to do or anyone else like we would have already had a solution. Yes. No, what you're saying is it's very true. It, I've heard these anecdotal experiences from a lot of my friends, other people, women I've spoken with, a lot of artists, bus trains walking in Chicago, New York, different different, you know, big cities. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous. It's very scary. I always tell women, like, you, you should have pepper spray, mace, and a knife, and I'll tell you a couple tricks out of how to make a man go to the ground and get away from him. Uh, and they should know that, because it's like, it's very real, it's very serious. And you deal with a lot of homeless individuals in Chicago, a lot of intoxicated people, people who are mentally ill, who don't even know what they're doing anymore. It's very sad, but they don't know who you are, they don't care about your feelings, and they're the worst to deal with, not because they're bad people inherently, but they have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They're, if you're homeless riding around trains and in that situation, you have nothing to lose. You don't care if you grab somebody. If you have, you're not even in the same place anymore. You have nothing to lose. So they are, it's very scary. And I mean, at 19, it's like, you don't even know what the world is yet. It's, you don't even know what to do, how to react in that situation. You know, that's, that's never happened to me. And if someone tried that, they would regret it because I'd, yeah, I don't know what I'd do, but it wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about what you have to worry about. And I, same thing with my house or anywhere I go. I, I too did extreme commutes to SIC from Hickory Hills, which is far. Wow. I took the 379 bus. From, I walked a half mile. I'd wake up early, leave at 645, walk a half mile to the bus, the 379, take it down 80th, 79th Street, all the way to Cicero, take that north to Midway get to Midway, take the Orange Line to State and Van Buren, then walk to SASC on, you know, well, I think 112 South uh, Michigan, the McLaren building. Take that, you know, 15, 13, 17 stories up those little elevators. By the time I got to class, I mean, it was like two and a half hours of constant commute, morning and night, all day classes. I not, not one time did I fear anything, ever. After two years of that, and I did it two years at Columbia, I never feared anything. I went through all these different neighborhoods, met all these different people. I saw those types of guys, the bum on the train that reeked of alcohol, was unstable. 
I was never scared of them. I just thought like they better not mess with me. That's it. And I kind of just kept my headphones on. It's actually like a big no-no to leave your earbuds in because you're distracted and you're not paying attention. And I'm sure women think about that way more. I, I still did because I wasn't scared. But I'm sure you're kind of like guard your purse here, take out the earbuds and just pay attention to the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, whatever. Like, I'm not afraid. And it's a very different thing men face versus women. And sadly, the real world version of that now translates to the Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, world of it. But now you, and it gets weirder because people don't have to deal with the physical consequences. They could just make avatars or fake accounts and just send stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gets, it's going to be a weird thing to talk about, but I never knew that like the dick pic thing was such a thing until more recently when women are like, yeah, that's like normal. Like that's, especially if you're like on Tinder or something, it's like what you get. I'm like, what? Like who does that? Mm-hmm. In what world does that work? I was like, I can't believe people do that. The yeah. only world I think that makes sense is if you're in a consenting relationship as adults and like that's your own private thing you're doing between two couples. Like mm-hmm. other than that, I don't understand how that. And it is. never works too. Why would it? Why would it? Yeah. It wouldn't even really work for me, honestly. If, if a woman did that, I'd be like, that's a little much. Who are like? I don't know. You're kind of sketching me out. Who does that like that fast? Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. And I'm sure it's way worse for women. I'm just like, I can't believe men do that. And it's like normal. And every girl I talk to, there's like, yeah, it's like 20 times it's happened. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Why? But I guess it's the people I am around don't really do that. So I find it to be really weird that that's like a thing in society to just bombard women with that. I mean, it's 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 just weird. Does, do people do that on Instagram? They must not. Not as often on Instagram, no. But they do it on uh, like, Instagram. I think like two instances on Instagram. Yeah. Really? Weirdly, like more like, uh, what was like the main one? I'm trying to think. Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah, that was like a while ago though. But I mean, Tumblr was kind of sketchier than Instagram, I think. Really? And I was younger. So I feel like more things like scarred me like mentally easier people than do that on tum- People do that on Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr. Your eyes got big, like yeah. Too I was much. like, yeah, I remember that. So yeah, I mean, it happens less often, but I feel like now, like unfortunately, like, we're just like numb to it. But I just wonder, like, who, what guy has a story where that was successful? Like, where are they getting this at? Like, all that works. There, first of all, there isn't. There's no way mm-hmm. that's successful. There's no way that, that works. I just, I don't. Being a guy and being around women my whole life, I, I don't know how that could work. And I don't know how we normalized it. Because a lot of these accounts, you're the real person. Someone can attribute that photo to you and be like, yeah, that person did it. And show other people. Like, look what they did. So, like, why would you do that? I don't know. It's weird. Why is that a thing? Mm -hmm. I would love to, not for good reason, but to talk to guys that have done it to be like, why? Like, explain yourself. Like, Like, unless you're in a private consenting relationship and the person's asking for it, like, that's the only time that makes sense. Why else would you do it? I would love to hear response I mean have you ever asked a guy like why are you doing that oh my god no no that those are the only immediate blocks that I do yeah good yeah that's about it I mean if it's not that then I'm not blocking but yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm sorry you have to deal with that it's stressful you should just be able to live your life make art have your space Mm -hmm. get better at it become a professional be active in the scene and move upward 
Exactly. You know, ex- ascend like everybody else who, who works at it. Not have to be numb and normalized to like weird things and DMs and sexual um, advancements that are inappropriate. Again, once in a while, someone, hey, I like this. I'm just reaching out. Like preface the whole thing. That's probably the best someone can do. But things beyond that, I don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird. <coughs> it's been normalized. I don't know. It's it makes me sad. I'm just like, why do women have to go through? Like, I don't understand it. Turns out they've been dealing with it forever. Pre-internet, it's been a problem. Now we're aware of it, but people still do it. Um, so very dark conversation. I know. I know. It's okay though. It, it's it's just real. It's life. Yeah. We should not be high. And the problem is, this is actually good because the world needs to hear these types of things. Mm-hmm. If it's when we don't talk about it and we just get numb to it and go, say mm, la vie, that's life. That's the problem. Like, I think it's good. We don't know each other. I don't think we've ever met each other. I don't think so. No. We're 10 years apart from each other. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of a different generation, yet we're understanding and talking about something that affects us both in different ways. Because I'm a man, but I have a sister. I have a mom. I ha- I've had grandparents. I've had cousins. I've dated people. I have friends that are women. So this does affect me. And that's the weird part about it is men do it, but like it actually affects you because they're a part of your life. They're the yin and yang. They're the yin to your yang. It takes two to tango. We can't have a kid unless there's us. So like it actually is important to not behave like this because it does affect you. Would you do this to your mom or your sister or your cousin? No, you wouldn't. To people you respect and admire, no, you wouldn't. So like, why are you doing it now? Why are you behaving in that way? Yeah, I don't know. I think we just need more art and happiness. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> more expression. <laughs> um, let's talk about something more positive then, I guess. Segway to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, why did I agree to this? <laughs> Not at all. No, no. Um, let's talk about let's talk about your art more. I want to know where it comes from. Like when you pick up a paintbrush and a canvas, where does that come from? I, I think that creative spark is always very unique from person to person. It's not one answer. Mm-hmm. It's something that differs from everyone's life it's situational so you started at two but like we all know what a two-year-old looks like when they're painting it's Mm -hmm. it's very Jackson Pollock like (laughs) so where does it come from like when you say you start a painting tonight or tomorrow what's going on where what's going on in in Nez's mind for sure uh I think now that I have characters that I've created so I have like two main characters and they're both cereal boxes which is kind of random people always ask me like why cereal like do you do you love cereal do you eat it every day I'm like no it literally it's so random and I wish I had a story for them but I just like fell in love with the characters and I think they're really cute (laughs) so I mean they have names there's like a pink one with like a rainbow like front uh called fruits and then there's another one called stars with like a little star embellishment so fruits and stars um and at this point since I've been drawing them like I think over a hundred times I'm just like okay, what situation am I, am I going to put them in this time? Like, are they in a pool? Are they, like, tanning outside? Like, it's just, like, it's just fun now to just put them in different situations and, like, create, like, a lore behind them. Mm-hmm. So. so you kind of start off with, like, a narrative, like, to create the character? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then 
it becomes very situational and you might be like, okay, like you said, in a pool or whatever. And then how do you come up with the patterns and shapes? Do you, do you sketch? Do you draw? Like, where does it go from there? So right now it's in your mind. What's the next step? Mm-hmm. I think I used to, I used to sketch everything like on a sketchbook and then I kind of just moved everything on my iPad. So it's all been like digital art. And I feel like now I, I just, it's in my head and then I just paint it. Like I've drawn that cereal box so many times. I feel like if I close my eyes, I could just draw like a bunch of them on this table. Like (laughs) I just, yeah, I've drawn it a lot. So it just kind of comes naturally and just like working on like the posing of them. That's like the only difference now. Mm. So it's easier to like to pump out work now though, like for different art shows just because like it's just faster. And do you think that's from practice or do you, are you hitting like a, a renaissance of like, you're feeling like a, alive and energetic from having this space, like it's motivating you? I think, yeah, it, part of it is a space. And I think that having like these two huge windows and like people just walk past all the time, it motivates me to like stay on track and stay on task because yeah. I want people to like see me drawing. Yeah, inspirational. Because, yeah, I mean, that's what the space was for. That's what the landlord kind of envisioned the space to be. Um, it wasn't really even meant to be a gallery. It was meant to be like a work studio. So just like a private studio. And if I felt like I, I could sometimes open the door for them and like, oh, you could, you know, see my work. Um, so I made it a little bit bigger than it was like meant to be. Um, so yeah, I try to paint in here. Um, so you do all your work in this space mm-hmm. for the public to see if they want to. Exactly. And they can come in too. Yeah. Wow. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I've seen a lot of those in the city, like just walking down the street and you see someone working. It's kind of like, just like this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty cool. I like that a lot. That's, <clears throat> that's my goal for my studio to have it kind of the same thing so people can walk by and like watch bands like me recording and filming bands you know from all over the world like I really like that idea and I think it might be inspirational for those walking by like you might not have an idea of how much inspiration you're giving to those kids you know when they're knocking and looking and they get to know you as the the crazy studio lady mm-hmm. you know when they're 10 you look like they think you're some old woman you know like some 22 3 year old you know, I know. Yeah, you're not old. <laughs> I know, but it, it, you're right though, because I—I mean, I work where I work. There's like a preschool next door. Um, since I work in a park district, so we have a preschool there, and they're like, I can hear them every single day, like screaming, yelling, playing. Uh, and when they see me, like I'm the old lady to them. So I, I get what you mean. And here too, like the preschoolers that walk by, they see me as the old woman. But like, I don't mind it though. I feel like I inspire them, so that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, you—you mm-hmm. you definitely do. It's kids' minds are very malleable and the littlest things can spark them and it's hard sometimes to explain that like that right there could be the inspiration when you hear the jabs from friends or family and they go like what are you doing why are you doing that your little thing Mm -hmm. just think of that kid that now might go to SIC in 10 years or RISD in in Rhode Island or anywhere Mm -hmm. because they saw the crazy studio Nez lady making a painting or had, you know, a band play. And then maybe like, oh, I want to do that. Like, th- like someone can do that because what you're showing to them is someone can do this, like as a job or as a career or as something. Instead of never seeing it, never should see, and most importantly, not seeing a woman. And I'm going to assume a Latino woman. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mexican. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's even more. That's even more important to like for kids to see that a Mexican American woman making art for a living. I mean, you have another job, but you make money from this. You live. And that's really good for kids to see. It's really good for adults to see. Like, oh, I don't have to, like, she's doing that. Like, oh, 
maybe I can do it too. Like your mom, like maybe I, I should make some paintings. Like mm-hmm. who knows? But I think that comes from a mature mind. And the ones that jab, they go like, oh, you're a little thing. They belittle the whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Those people need to grow up. They need to realize the world's not that small. And there's artists have been living and creating and making a living off their work forever. And you do it every day when you put on Spotify and you put on a band that has, you know, 40 million monthly listens. It's like you're making them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like they're an artist making art and they had an artist make their album cover and an artist design their light show at the at Allstate Arena or United Center when you went to it or La Palooza. Like there's it's all around you. So to be like this little thing or that little thing, it's people who live in a small box, in a small bubble, who don't understand how important all this really is. And they might be complaining on the internet, which is the funny thing that they're doing it on things like Instagram. Like I'm sure you probably have received negative comments in some way, shape, or form, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just like I don't. First of all, I don't get when people do that when they just go like, yeah, what's this? This sucks. I don't think this looks good, or you know, whatever. Like, give me an example of something you received on a comment. Your art style changed. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> like. Man, just don't follow me. Like at this point, like, <sighs> like you could think it. When, obviously. when was this? Uh, probably like three months ago. As a guy, I don't remember honestly, but I, I feel like I I always get like just like mm, it looks different, and it does. Like I did switch my style like mm-hmm. kind of suddenly. Um, like if That's I go, a good thing. yeah, I feel like it it's is. It's just growth. a progression of yeah. just like being a person, like with anything. You should. I would. If in 10 years from now, I'm going to check up back on you. And if you're still doing that, I'm like, Ness, like the only way you're still doing that is if you receive some crazy sponsorship to make cereal boxes and Kellogg's give mm-hmm. you, you know, $2 million or something. But you know what's crazy though? I feel like I'm still going to be doing this in 10 years. But like, it'll be different. Yeah. It'll be different. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, it won't. You're too young to realize that it, there's no way. No, nah, I found my thing. <laughs> I, you know what's so weird though? I kind of feel like I have. Like that's the only reason I've been doing it so consistently. Um, like with the artists that I look up to, they have a character that they're consistent with and they've made that like their whole portfolio and their whole career. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what my goal is. But they was. do different stuff with it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's you're gonna right. change. It's gonna evolve. For It'll sure. evolve. You're you're too young to even know how to know that. It's like it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. You can't even you can't get to it. You could you can only assume because so how long you been making these types of characters? Six months. Six months. Mm-hmm. Six months. You're twenty I'll call it twenty two for math sakes. So one forty fourth of your life would be six months. Okay. And in when you're forty four, double, uh, now that number is no longer 144th. It's now, you know, 188th, which would be the six months. So it expands in a different way. You haven't been making art in a studio for professionally for long. It's such a short window. So to feel like, oh, I found my thing, it's like, you did, but you're so, it's impossible to know. Like when I was 22 and I started a podcast called Friends of Music and the DZ Fest, which was so small. I had seven bands, I had to beg people to play. I used logs as steps for the stage, found construction lumber when I was on a jog from a torn down um, a torn down balcony from someone's pool, and a bunch of extension cords that weren't the right gauge or distance that I found from people's garages and my friends. Mm-hmm. Gear I didn't know how to use. It was a hot mess, flipping circuit breakers, nothing sounded good, nothing looked right. If I thought like I found it, like this is what I'm gonna do, I wouldn't be where it is now at 10 years of this massive thing with people from all over the country and world, people from South Korea wanting to play and Los Angeles and London. 
if I just stuck with like I found it like this I'm gonna be this hardworking DIY person that keeps it at that and it's like you can't there's no longevity you can't do this forever but I bet you in 10 years from now you can have a studio five times as big in Lincoln Park or Wicker Park or Pilsen where you have people working with you, other artists working with you and working on stuff and collaborating, making you know those big murals you were inspired by, you said in, in Pilsen, mm-hmm. that will be you. Like you could be the person making a mural next to the Museum of Mexican Art or at the Museum of Mexican Art because you are Mexican. Like these are things that can happen. Mm-hmm. But if you just go like, ah, I found it, I'm gonna stick to it. That won't happen, I promise you. It will not. That's not the art world. That's not the way humans evolve. You have to keep growing. It's it's a good thing. Those comments are getting our fuel. Like, yeah, I'm glad I changed. If I just kept making the same song, imagine you just made the same record over and over again. It'd be so boring. Like, that's not fun. I want to hear a band come out with new material and expand, and they should, because mm-hmm. if it's one person or five people and their producer... They grew up and they changed and now they have new things. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe someone died. Maybe one person got cancer. Like life happens and it passes you by. So to stay put in the same place and circle around it is the opposite of maturity. It's the opposite of growth. It's the opposite of what makes us human. And we, we have these technologies and smartphones now because we realized we looked to the future and didn't stay in the past. And artists need to do that and people need to do that. And And back to the issues with men, like men need to do that. Like this isn't draconian, barbaric times anymore. Mm-hmm. We like we have modern concepts and a modern mind and a modern consciousness and we don't need to do that. If you want to date someone or marry someone, like talk to them, get to know somebody. They have feelings too, just like you and just like the mom that spat you out when you were born the day you were born. Like they're a person too. They're not just some thing or a piece or an inanimate object you know so I think that it's awesome that you found something like these these characters are great that one looks like it's crying I can't I can't oh does he (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's because that looks like a mouth and it looks like it's frowning oh okay I see the bottom of it yeah 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 that's scary now (laughs) oh my god That's the see. That's yeah, art. There's many what? different ways to look at it. Yeah, that's true. It's supposed to be like an orange juice jumping rope. I know. I mean, I see okay, it. Cool. Yeah, that's an orange. <laughs> Think about that sentence. That's just an orange juice jumping rope. Yeah, it's just all it is. If you've have you ever taken psilocybin, like mushrooms or anything like that? I have. Yeah. So that sentence mean like is really. I funny. wish I saw that during. That would be a lot better. No, it's scary. <laughs> Oh, that is scary or psilocybin is scary? Psilocybin is scary to yeah. me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, what about it makes it scary to you? I am a very anxious person. So I think it's important, like, when you go into it, you have to have, like, a good mindset, which is, like, what everyone tells me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a good mindset. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Like, I already took it. Oh, no. Like, so I just freak <laughs> out. And then what I end up seeing is, like, nothing cute like that. So I, I guess... I would have a blast in this room. Oh, yeah. I'd... This room would be a lot of fun. That's mm-hmm. that's interesting. That's It's one of the most unique experiences that that... I mean, by definition, a drug, it alters your chemistry, your state of mind, but it's very different. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a Tylenol, it's not marijuana, it's not alcohol, it's like a whole nother world. But I think it's a, a really unique thing that I would never tell anybody they should do anything really, but I, th- I recommend that more people try it in a stable, mature fashion and situation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I recommend it when you're a bit older and your mind's developed you know, and more stable because it's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you first tried it? 
I think I was 16, 17. Ah, uh, see, I was 28. Yeah. Like, so much older. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, like, on top of it, you know? I, I don't think there's anything... I don't think there's bad trips. I don't think there's anything bad about it. I think it's... A bad trip is just most likely someone who needs to figure out something. They're going through some stuff. And the filter's gone. Mm-hmm. The This wall that we put up is gone, and you're just left to deal with what really is going on in your heart, in your mind, your reality. And I think that's why people call it like a bad trip because it makes them face like some pressures they don't want to think about, some trauma. That's the biggest one they don't want to think about. Alcoholism, someone got you know abused as a kid, all those types of things. Being lonely, being uh, feeling abandoned, like all of it. And I think that it's healthy to face them because sweeping them under the, the metaphorical life rug in your mind doesn't, do you any good it comes up later in life you you know i think it can be healthy for ptsd and trauma and i know there's been a lot of research on it i'm certainly not an expert on it but i've heard enough people who are talk about it and through my own experiences and my friends it's like it seems pretty harmless and very helpful and the worst case scenario is like you had a bad trip talk about tell me about your bad trip what made it bad at that age, I mean, I have like very strict parents. At they probably didn't off. help. Probably I think that honestly, to be honest, that was like the main thing. I have very strict parents. Uh, my dad's a cop, so you know, like they're strict. Um, and I well, don't know. cop, I hope yeah. you're not mad. We're talking about this. Yeah. Um, hopefully, he doesn't watch all the way through. He just kind of skims through the video, right? Um, no, I, I think also just like dealing with like not. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know what like a good dosage was. I I didn't know. So I was just yeah. like trusting the friend that I was with. And I think for like my weight and just like the fact that I'm a girl, like it was a little bit too much. So I like I felt like it was like feeling I, I still tell people that like don't have never taken it before and they don't get it. They're like, okay, you're weird. I'm like, but I felt like I was made out of like rubber, wood, like plastic, and like I don't know how else to describe it. Like my hands felt like weird. Um so I was just like so focused on like the physical aspect of it, and then like, I saw like kaleidoscopes and all of that. So I don't know, it's just like really different and something like obviously like, you can't see if you don't take anything. Mm-hmm. So it freaked me out. It really did. And like, I did just know. the act of like all that stuff freaked you out. Yeah, yeah. Like it was kind of cool at the same time. Like it was kind of enjoyable. <laughs> but I think what freaked me out is that I don't know how long it's gonna last for, and that I, f- I have to walk home. How do I walk home if mm-hmm. I could barely see like the stoplights yeah. at this point? So it was more just like my general safety that I was scared of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's why I always preface when someone does it. When I do it, I do it in a very mature and like controlled situation. Like I'm at home. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing anybody. I'm not working. I'm done with all that. Taking it in the afternoon so I can go to sleep tonight because sometimes you can't fall asleep. Um, put. But I always put my phone away. Don't look at your phone. That this device should not exist in the, the that experience. Mm-hmm. It's too much in your head, and you worry too much about time, because time starts to go away because you let go of those constraints in your head and in your mind and in your spirit. So if you put away the technology that keeps track of time, which is your phone, then you could just be yourself, just be free and relax, listen to music, eat some food. It's good to be around with some people you enjoy and. Then you don't have to worry about like how am I gonna get home? What if my parents like no, all that doesn't all those things don't happen because now they can't happen. So you're good. Mm-hmm. That's what I recommend for people like put yourself in a very 
good scenario to where that stuff isn't even the pressures you feel when you start spiraling. When you're like, you know, my dad, my mom, like, what do I, like, just don't put yourself in that situation so you can enjoy the experience and not fe- face those anxieties. But you were 16, you probably weren't thinking like that. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. All I was thinking is, let me try something new because I'm bored. Like, that's yeah. all it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not what I expected. I really thought like I wasn't going to feel anything. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, boy. Yeah. Naive for sure. Naive. <laughs> no one warned you? No. Oh, my God. Bad friends. I, yeah. Bad yeah. friends. They got to mm-hmm. warn you. You got to get the debriefing. Like I'm doing right now. If I was explaining this to somebody, they'd be like, oh. I sh- I'll do that then. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's what I say. Like, try it and then make sure you do all these things. It'll make it a lot more enjoyable and safer for you. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you um, found that any types of drug or drinking experiences have affected or made an inspiration into your art? Or has that always kind of just been who you are and those things are just kind of a separate experience? I think it kind of is separate for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one thing that I just... I can't with alcohol like if someone gets me like a beer I'll have like a little sip of it like I just can't like I like the sweet ones it has to have a lot of sugar in it but it, same with coffee like I know I'm, I don't like coffee I like sugar can I make a fun generalization that I don't want to sound sexist but I have to because it's funny yeah. you and every other woman <laughs> I know I know I what is that okay mm-hmm. we got to get to the bottom of this is that societal things is it what you're taught it can't be a taste thing because it is everyone varies in taste that's true so how could it be flavor well it's a bitter taste because it's, it's the same with coffee like i was saying i feel like i compare them so often like alcohol to me is super bitter um i don't know if it's like the ph level but i just i don't like it, it i mean it's a very bitter thing yeah no, it, it really is coffee and alcohol are bitter mm-hmm. i did not get into drinking coffee and alcohol often until my late 20s mm-hmm. like way later like coffee i didn't really get into drinking it a lot until i was like 27 28 Mm-hmm. Alcohol, same thing. Like more recently, I've been more on top of it. And I actually enjoy the flavor now. When I was your age, I didn't like it. I didn't think hard liquor tasted good. I didn't really, th- I drank a little bit of wine, but I didn't really like that. Beer, no, not really. It was hard. I also drank sweet stuff. Mm-hmm. So it might be something you develop over, excuse me, over time. Maybe. But even women I know that are older than you, 29, 30, 31, they still love the the high noons or the, the different salsa waters, the, the White Claws, if they do a mixed drink, it's always got a lot more sugary stuff in it, juices mixed with a vodka or even like a Malibu, things that have a lot more sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And which is just, I don't know, I'm like an old man. Like I drink like scotch by like the fireplace, you know? Oh no. I'm just like, it's, it's going to burn. No. I love it. I'm just like, uh-uh. I don't know. That's just how I am. But I'm also obsessed with like purity. Like I want the thing for the thing. Black coffee, black coffee, wine for wine, beer for beer, not mixing. Mm-hmm. But it's funny you say the the sugar thing. This is very common. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so you don't you don't really drink a lot then? Not at all. No. Like, no. no. Like even in social situations, I feel like now like everyone already knows, so I don't even feel pressured. They're like, I know you're not gonna have one. I'm like, nope, I'm gonna have a water. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's you'll be better off. Trust me. Yeah. I, I at your age, I was the same way. Big social situations, and also it's important at your gatherings and stuff that you're on top of stuff. Like, again, say you have a band playing and someone does call the police and they meet you and you're on top of it, you're sharp, you're sober. Like, mm-hmm. as your father knows, as a police officer, please know if someone is or isn't drunk. They deal with it all the time. So the second they talk to you and they can tell, like, oh, she's good, she's being respectful, she's not slurring her words, she's not being a fool, they'll let it go. I'm telling you, they'll let it slide. Um 
usually because they let women slide on anything when it comes to criminal activity, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> See, I wouldn't know because I feel like I don't do anything bad, but like... Well, I'm sure you've committed crimes, but you would get away with it all the time mm-hmm. because women tend to and men tend to get the book thrown at them. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's a whole other thing. It's complicated because women deal with the chaos of the sexual yeah. part of it, but yep. then when it comes to petty stuff, they kind of get let go. That's true. And then men have the opposite. They don't deal with any of those sexual problems. And with petty stuff, they always get in trouble. It's mm-hmm. weird. But yeah, alcohol, I respect that. It's good. All the events I would do, never drink. Because that stuff can happen. People can, Also, someone can get hurt. Someone, you know, you're, you're trying to have a clean cut situation here. But you don't know what other people are doing. Someone can pass out in the bathroom because they took medication or drank too much. Like you want to be, what if you have to deal with bringing them to a hospital? You never know. Or a paramedic. That's worst case scenario, but like these things can happen. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So mm-hmm. it's always good to be sober at your own events. And that's really hard to explain to people that are parting with you or friends that are getting drunk. They're like, why don't you drink? It's like, because I got to make sure this happens from start to finish. I got to set it up. I got to book it. I got to make sure everything happens, make sure everyone's having a good time. You're a host, you're putting on the event, you're the creative director. Like, and then make sure everyone gets out and peaceful. Then I could plop on the couch and pour my glass of wine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in that, you know, how many hours? Three, eight, ten hour window. Like you are in charge. You're the boss. Like you can't be party. You can't have the fun that everyone gets to have. But you have your own fun. You get to see what they don't see. You get to see the start to finish, the apex of it. Everything come together. That one kid who, who or adult who gets their painting on the wall and purchased, the joy it brings them. You know, it's the same thing I see when an artist comes in and their song is, and they're performing, you know, at DZ Fest and everyone's having a good time. People are taking drugs or drinking party and I'm just sitting there making it all happen. I go, at some point that person sat in their basement, their bedroom, their dorm somewhere. Maybe they wrote the song from heartache or, you know, pain. They never thought like, oh, maybe I'll play this in front of people I don't know at a fest someday where it's being recorded. And I made that happen for them. And like that's a type of joy and enrichment of like the spirit that's so hard to explain, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're probably starting to get a lot of tinges of that with this experience. Yeah. You know? It's what makes me like want to keep going. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a type of fuel that almost feels like it's almost feels like you almost feel bad about it. Like, no, no, people aren't feeling what I'm feeling right now. Like, because not a lot of people are. They're not doing this. Who else do you know at your age is doing this? Nobody. Nobody. I knew that answer, but I wanted to hear it from your mouth. Like, yeah, nobody. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard to convey it. And you're just like, I can't explain it. Like, it, it, it's giving me fuel that it feels impossible to explain. And it's not the same thing because it's a different type of fuel, but it's probably the same fuel like parents feel from why they want, when they have a kid, the day the kid's born, why they drop everything they make sure like that kid can be raised. Like, it's just jet fuel you can't explain. It's just something that comes from your soul. Obviously, it's not the same thing, but it's adjacent to it. It's a deep thing that you have, like a passion, like see the community grow, see people come together, see kids want to do it, inspire future generations, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really remarkable. So I, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I saw that, and I know when I see it because I do it myself. So I was like, oh, this person would be really cool to talk to. Like, I want to know what they're doing and why. When I saw that you started this place, because I followed you before, but when I saw you started it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I would like to hear what's in her mind, you know, what's going on in there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you always want something like this? It, 
I honestly, I did, but I felt like it was too big of a thing to like even dream about. Um, so I never really made it like one of my like concrete goals to do it. But it kind of feels weird. It feels like a switch just happened and like now I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like I know like if I look back, there was a lot of hard work that went into it. But like I don't even remember that. I just remember like all like the fun that I had like these past couple months. Like it doesn't even feel difficult anymore. It's just mm-hmm. like, okay, let me just keep going. Um, but like I'm just really grateful for it, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. And what's, <clears throat> what do you see for the future for you? Like next year? murals hopefully i mean it's it's gonna be the summer so like i'm hoping for like more murals outdoor and just like more like collaborations with other people i'm always trying to collaborate with people i'm doing uh, a mural with the kids at uh, a local middle school that i went to um so we're doing like a fence project with like 30 kids that's That's super fun when when is that uh like we're in the process of it right now but i'm just kind of finishing it up for them um but it has like my serial characters so i'm like really excited about like spreading that everywhere i go (laughs) The serial characters. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love it. I could see it now in the, like a 40 foot version of this, like on the side of a brick you know, building in like Pilsen or, you That's know, the goal. you know, somewhere in Chicago. I could totally see it. I, I'll definitely bother you about it in the future. I mean, I'm trying, I don't want to say too much, but I'm trying to move the fest to the city and looking to really grow it like huge. So yeah. getting more local artists, try to get all like Chicago and Chicago and artists involved in it, have it be like a Chicago based thing mm-hmm. and just grow with the beautiful things that are here. Like you said earlier, you noticed so many cool artists in this area in Chicago and just trying to be that vessel for them, for the world to see them. Because I say it all the time, but there's not enough room at the top of the pyramid for everyone to be rich and famous. That's just not the way this society is designed. There's a lot of there's a few people up here that make way too much money, and then it barely trickles down to the rest of us. So to bypass that, to be that vessel, to like, no, I don't. We don't have to be these famous rich artists, but we could still have a place and a platform, the Instagram, a studio, a place where people can go see things they never would have. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you keep doing it, you'll be amazed at how many lives you've changed. People will hopefully not bother you in a bad way, but bother you in a good way. Where, like those are the messages I get. I get bothered in a good way. It's extremely humbling when people just thank you for what you've done for the music community, for what you've provided. It's overwhelming, but I still have to say like, you know, try to direct them to the emailing because it's like I can't keep up with all the messages. So I'm sure you'll get way more of those. They won't all be so weird and negative and creepy, but oh yeah, I hope not. You have to. I don't know. It's tricky. Do you? <clears throat> does that ever discourage you? Not anymore. Good. No, just because I feel like the good always always the bad. Yeah. For sure. As, as it should. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, your other female artist friends, like, what do they say about it? Uh, I mean, I feel like they get, like, the same thing. So, again, like, going back to just, like, that's how it is. Um, yeah, we, we don't really know what to do about it. <laughs> I guess talk about it. <clears throat> yeah, except for talk about it. and just Talk like, about have, it, like, make it more known. Mm-hmm. A, a sane, good man could hear that who once might have been making mistakes with how they approached it and go, ooh, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I feel like an idiot. Like ashamed. Like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's one person. And then before you know it, now they're having poker night or game night with their friends or bowling or whatever, and they tell their other friend, like, you know, probably shouldn't say, hey, should I send this message? No, maybe you shouldn't. Think about that. Like, does that person really want to hear it? Maybe find a better way to approach it. Stuff like that. It could have a massive trickle effect if 
It starts with conversations on public forums like this where anybody could see if they want to. Um, it's just so hard because there's so many people and they're from different financial backgrounds and ethnicities and even different social structures from the countries they came from where women don't have much of a say. So they'd look at us and be like, what are you talking about? Like, this is how you're supposed to talk. Like, it's so That's complicated. Yep. It's so complicated. It's even complicated within the Mexican community, the, the, the Latin community, the, the dynamics, the machismo, like the male, female. Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. super complicated. Yes. <laughs> I know you know that. I, I've gotten less of it, but definitely when I was younger, I was working at a grocery store where like everybody was like mostly Hispanic. I would say like 90% Hispanic. That like machismo thing was so prominent there. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like, oh no. Why, why did he that. bring that up? Like in flashbacks? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if I keep bringing no, it up. No, but honestly, it, it doesn't happen as often now. Good. Not at all. And it's Oak Park. I feel like it's such a diverse community. Mm -hmm. Like there's literally everybody's here, like all ages, everything. So it's just it's really a nice, nice community. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of those where when people live in the city, who have come from means or have good jobs, and they go like, "Oh, I'm moving out the suburbs," they move to Oak Park, <laughs> Forest Park, Oak Park. You know, mm -hmm. like that's where people adults go from the city to like still kind of have like a city feel. Like if these feels like some Chicago neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You know, they really do. They have the same architecture, the same history of when these houses were being built, you know, 1880s to 1930s. And they even look like it, but it is a more wealthy area. It certainly is, uh, income-wise. Um, do you find that that plays a factor in the studio and having artists come by, the fact that it is oh, in Oak 100%. Park? 100%. But for the weirdest reasons, though, I feel like because I'm in Oak Park, people, like, a lot of people assume that, like, I'm, like, wealthy, or like it's from my parents' money or something, you know, like they mm -hmm. always have something to say. And I'm just surprised that they like have the nerve to tell me that like, hey, is it because you like it's your parents' money, right? And I'm like, uh. How are they telling you? Are they telling you no? in person? In person. It's always in person. What? It's never online. Like it's always just like an artist that like wants to bring their art in. There was one person. Um, they just wanted to show me their portfolio. So they, they just came by and we were just talking. They're like, hey, can I just ask, like, I've seen your Instagram for a while. I followed you for a bit. Like, how did you get this place? Like, is it your parents or like, what did you have to do? Is it like a scholarship? I'm like, no, it's not. Like this whole building was like made for people that like are creators and like want to show like the community, like what they do and to grow communities. So that is specifically like why I'm here because I show that like I have a commitment to it. So it just kind of sucks when people just think that I'm rich. Like I don't even charge people commission. That's another thing that like a lot of like art friends have told me, like you have to start charging something um, because I'm treating it like less of a business and more just like of a hobby right now. A DIY space. A DIY space, yeah. Yep. Because I'm starting it up, and I know it's important to start up by doing that and making it accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. So everybody like takes a hundred percent commission of all the art. Um, I pay like the musical performances too, like on ticket prices. So like, if I get like 500 tickets, then cool. Like you get, I don't know, like five dollars each ticket. Yeah. So that's how I've been doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get it. I'm, we're a lot more alike than you would know. Like I, I don't take any of the fees or commissions or table fees from the artists at mm -hmm. DC Fest. None of it. So I just say like donate at the door. But then like just bring your own. I up until last year I supplied. I built custom built all the tents for all forty artists. All the tables custom built. Provided chairs, cloth, everything. And you just show up and present your art and sell it and do whatever you want with it. Yeah. I don't touch any of it. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people that, just like I saw your face, they're just like, what's wrong with you? 
And I always spawn so many things. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, to me, I think people have it worse off than I do. I was blessed with an acre of land that my parents worked very hard to sustain and have. My grandpa built the house, so it goes back far. And no, a lot of people don't have this space, and I do. So I should do something productive with it mm-hmm. for those who don't have any. Some people are just, all they have is apartments. They have nowhere to go. And I have the ability, the imagination, the knowledge, the strength to build. So I should do something with it. I could build these tents. I do the measurements. I love math. I love science. I love constructing and designing and being an architect. I love building tables. I, I like doing things. So it doesn't bother me. And if it means there's a slight, it's going to sound negative. It's not really negative, but it sounds selfish. Like there's a slight selfish thing. Like, oh, I also get something out of this. Like people come here to see DZ Fest. So if I have 40 artists, it looks cool, which better makes DZ Fest like a cooler event. Like I still get something out of it. It's exactly. very different and it's very down the road. It's a big investment. It's a big risk on my behalf, but I still get something out of it, but it's not as greedy and capitalistic as most businessmen who when they go, I'll get that out of it, plus I'm gonna get my 20%, plus people gotta do their own thing, plus I'm gonna charge them a small extra fee because I had to build this tent. It's like, well, first of all, anybody who's doing that, I guarantee they're not building anything because most businessmen don't know how to build anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know business and economics and paper trails, but they don't know how to physically build things with their own hands. Um, otherwise, they'd have more of a mindset that I have. I could tell you that. And so I think, like, okay, I have this space. I could do this. Same thing with the stages. Like, I buy all that stuff myself, and I build it. And the bands that play, 40 bands that play, full-on sets. It's like I bought all that equipment. I paid for everything. And a lot of people have donated things. But I just go, like, well, I, can, I can't pay everybody because there's enough money coming in. But I can give them a video for playing, which is super high quality. I can provide them a space to put their music out to people who normally wouldn't see it. When they sell all their merch, they get all that. I don't take commission from the merch table, even though my crew is selling it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to have it be like this beautiful free exchange of everyone comes up from it. And instead of just like trying to find money and take it from everywhere I go. And it's, it's hard because there's not longevity in that because you're not making money. Yep. But what it's done for the music community, what it's done for the DIY ethos, what it's done for even the way I view capitalism and how you can make money, because I make money elsewhere now. I make it from recording bands. When people come to that event, just like when they come to this, they like it so much and the philosophy you have that they'll want to do something with you in the future, and that's where you'll get your money. It's a different type of investment. Us being raised in a capitalist, you know, democratic republic society, in 2022, as homo sapiens, I gotta be as PC as possible here. We can't help but wanna go like, how do I get my money now? When I think, how can I bring longevity, hope, and freedom to the artist community and then still get something in it throughout my life? And because of those types of things, you'll always be happy. The more you do this, you'll always have people wanting to keep working with you in the future. You're a nice person, you're polite, you provide a space. Who wouldn't want to work with you? The answer is everybody would. I wanted to talk to you. Like it, that's what it means. So keep doing that. I mean, eventually you meant to do something small just to sustain it, but it doesn't have to be as grotesque as bigger fine art galleries mm-hmm. that take 50%, 60%, that's so 80%. Crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you see a piece at a, at a really nice gallery that's 
you know, twenty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it's twenty thousand dollars, because that fancy gallery in the in the sky needs to make a huge commission to get by, because everyone work, working there makes a lot of money. It's fine art's a weird one. Fine art, my 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 good friend and I talk about it a lot, and fine art's an interesting world because sometimes it's almost like. I'm not going to say it says it's a matter of fact, but it almost is sometimes like a money laundering world. It is. At least like the super, <laughs> like super fine art places. Yes, it's, yeah. It's like money laundering. And yeah. for those listening that don't know what I mean, and if you have any insight, I'd like to hear your thoughts because you have more experience with it than I do. But say, say this painting for, experience, or for example right here. It's pink painting with loaf of bread with avocado on it mm-hmm. and candy cane. Is that candy cane? Oh, it's like a hula hoop. It's a hula hoop candy cane. Yeah. <laughs> um, made by Nez. Say someone wanted to buy that. They just go, ah, five grand. I just want to give you five grand. You'd be like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but like, who says that's five grand? Like, why? Well, they have money and they go, I say it's five grand. So I bought it for $5,000. Now you get cl- like this money, cash or what have you, where'd it come from? Nobody cares because it doesn't matter. You bought, it's for art. Now they have it, and maybe somewhere down the line it gets valued more. Now they have this like hidden cash in an inanimate object that mm-hmm. we add whatever arbitrary value to it that we say so. And now they get more. It's like this type of investment, tra- this trade investment of money laundering that isn't really real. And it's that's why I think a lot of people of lower means, lower income kind of get pissed and scoff at like the fine art world because they're just like, what do you guys even do? You're just it's exchanging these inanimate objects that we bestow value upon mm-hmm. with no inherent value, technically speaking, for what? And you just get to like, oh, that's 20 grand now. And then 30 years from now, eh, it's 100 grand because it got value that because Nez ended up doing this and this in Chicago and her mural's there. So therefore we put it that. It's like, it's a weird savings account mm-hmm. thing that just blows my mind. I don't, I, I don't know enough about it, but I see enough of the trend and it's kind of strange. I'm like, yeah. I'd like to hear what you think about it. It it makes no sense to me, but at <laughs> least at least like with these like it's physical paintings. What confuses me more is like NFTs oh, and all of that. Like the NFT thing. Oh my god! I, I feel like for artists, it's just like you don't want to miss out type of thing. But at the same time, like I need to do more research on it. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just millions and millions of dollars for one little like pixel. It just doesn't seem right to me. That's and where I feel like the money laundering is happening the more like more often. It's probably happening more than that now. Yeah. Like. There's a few big hot topic things that I don't know enough about and I realize that most people don't except for like leading experts in that field and it's very few people and a few of them are NFT, um, cryptocurrency, blockchain. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll stop there. Yeah, those three things. When people nerd out and talk about them, and I I say nerd out in the best way because I'm a nerd so I could say this, it annoys me because, like, do you even know what you're talking about? Like, you like, you have a day job at an office and you go down YouTube wormholes, and all of a sudden you know about blockchain. Do you have you taken any coding classes? Do you know anything about binary code? Do you know how to code? Do you know anything about the different languages? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know many, but like, do you know Java or C plus plus? Like, am I losing you already? Like, so like, why is it such a phenomenon in the ether of the internet to be like? Oh, this and that, and I'm like, we. No one knows what we're talking about with this. They They're, don't. No, they don't. There's very few tech people that do, and I, I believe them. I trust them, but 
I'm just tired of like the other 99% of the masses going like, yeah, this is, is the blockchain. <laughs> like, why, what is blockchain? There's, I feel like there's just a fear of missing out with like all three of them. Like even cryptocurrency, I never really knew about it, but I still had Dogecoin. Did I know why? No, I had Ethereum. It just made my taxes harder to fill out this year, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I didn't make any money off of it. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying any of these things are bad or wrong. I'm yeah, just, I just I'm just it. merely venting mm-hmm. that I'm annoyed that it's always something that I think most people don't actually understand. Like, they just don't. Mm-hmm. But they just like, it's like a hot topic thing to like in the now. Like, yeah, I bought this NFT with my Bitcoin because the blockchain, you're just like, you. I don't think you understand anything you just said. Like, you're doing it. Like, you're actively doing those things. I believe that. But do you actually know what they are? Like, do you really know what they are? No, I don't think so. It's kind of funny. It's probably different for like people that are more in your age. Like, what do you... You're, you came up with the internet in such a different way than I did. I, I didn't even have the internet when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I had dial-up until I was like 15, like two phone lines to have the dial-up, all that stuff. I didn't get a smartphone until I was 24. You're 23. How long have you had a smartphone? Oh, wow. Uh, probably since fifth grade. Right. Yeah. So half your life. Yeah. I got it at 24. So I got it older than you are in this very moment. So, yeah, I have a mm-hmm. different perspective on these things. I... My own experiences, I've had to learn through the more analog and kind of reality way of doing stuff, like just doing it, mm-hmm. meeting with people. How many people are going to be having this conversation versus watching it on the internet? You know, so like that's the world we're in now. Most people aren't doing it; they're taking in information. That's why I'm saying the blockchain thing, like the cryptocurrency. Most people just are like going with what's hip and now, and they don't actually understand it. And I'm a person, I want to physically be doing these things to understand it. I would love to have more education. I would love to sit down with someone and have them explain it to me more because I'm naive to it. I just also realize how many others are also naive to it. And like, do people in your bubble, your friends, do they talk about those things at all? Do they know anything about it? I feel like they do, but it's also like very surface level. Superficial, yeah. But I mean, same. (laughs) The only difference is that I actually went and like risked it and I bought like some... You know, cryptocurrency, but it doesn't mean that I know anything more than they do. Yeah, I don't know anything yeah. about it. I need yeah. to get some. I do remember a long time ago when Bitcoin came out and it was super cheap. And mm-hmm. I'm like, everyone probably wishes, like, I wish I bought it and like, put $1,000 into it, you know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. I'd probably be a millionaire now. But that's the, I don't know, the stock market thing. Mm-hmm. It drives me crazy because a lot of people I know who, did well or do well, a lot of them started out with money. They had the money to invest without hurting their personal life or family life. Mm-hmm. And like the growth they got, it's like, well, if you have $100,000 to just throw into the stock market like, and it doesn't affect your life, you have, you're a millionaire. You have a lot of money. Yeah. So like, and you, that amount can make so much more than what your five or 10 bucks or my five or 10 bucks can do. So it's like it's kind of set up to not help people who have no money, and it's frustrating. People are like, well, well, just invest. It's like, with what? I don't have anything to invest. Like, it's not the same as someone who already has the money to do so. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to the fine art world, like the high art, the, the expensive paintings. Um, have you ever been to Wynwood, Miami, the no. neighborhood? You know, Art Basel. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. I went there once. Okay. On a road trip, and I was walking through Wynwood, where I saw like an original Banksy, crazy stuff like that. Yeah. These paintings and these galleries were so expensive. I'm like, who can afford these? $400,000, $100,000. 
80 grand, 50 grand. I'm like, who can buy these paintings? Mm -hmm. And why are they worth that much? Who says they're worth that much? And what do we do with that? So the people who have these paintings are millionaires. And then what do they do with it? They, they hoard it? Do they just take it, wait for it to go up in value, sell it again? It's like this trading currency, this money laundering thing they have. Mm -hmm. But like people like you and I can never do that. We're not even, we can, most of the world can't do that. So it makes you wonder like, what is the whole point of that? Is it just always going to be for a high art? And for a high art, it's just say underneath the parentheses, wealthy individuals or rich people or the 1% because you and I can't do that. If you did, you wouldn't be here. You'd be, have a studio loft in the loop or, you know, in Gold Coast or something, Chicago. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it just makes me wonder like, how do we, my goal in life, all this ranting is I want to bridge that gap and bring it the high stuff lower and the low stuff higher and help people understand like how important, how good all the stuff is. The only difference between, you know, Ariana Grande or Taylor Swift and the next really cool female pop musician that I even know or personally have worked with is promotion, is the way they've been pushed by a team. Mm -hmm. That's it, because they're all just as good. And the other ones honestly used a lot more ghostwriters, a lot more auto-tune, a lot more secrets with production, oh, yeah. a huge team of millions of dollars worth of equipment. But if you just gave them the tools that the uh, uh, Chicago female pop artist has that's up and coming, they wouldn't sound or look the same way they, they do. They wouldn't be able to afford the right amount of different training or diet or regimen or gyms, all that stuff that comes with having money to make you look, air quotes, better. And the same thing goes with the fine art. Like, If someone took that and put it in one of those Wynwood studios in Miami and said, 10 grand, Mm -hmm. says who it was just put that way someone had an eye and goes I like that I like that Ness I'm going to make it this much that's how much it's for and you did nothing different you still made that in the studio through emotions and experience and you came up with your narrative like you said but for some reason someone it's an arbitrary thing someone said mm, it's worth this much money because I said so why I don't agree with that I'm trying to find a way to like not have that be the way our world is separated there's the have and the have-nots. And people say, you just got to work hard. It's like, no, that doesn't work. There's not enough room at the art gallery for everyone who works hard. Everyone works hard. Artists work hard. Some more than others, but says who? Like, how do you define just making work? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible to define. So I think we need to find a way to not do the whole commission thing so high. I think it could be a smaller fee. Yeah, it makes sense to have something, to have the space to live. Like, you have to pay rent. There's taxes, there's things like that. But it doesn't have to be so grotesque to where the people who have it make all the money and they're technically exploiting the artist to make the money. And the same thing with like big music festivals. Like they they exploit the artists, they pay them, oh, here's a thousand bucks, good job. But like they're making millions of dollars and their sponsors are. I want to try to find a way to flip that on its head, you know? And I think you're doing that here yourself. It's kind of interesting. I didn't fully know that. So it's kind of funny that yeah. I do it too, and we're very few people who do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like charity work for the community. You know, very similar, very similar to like nonprofits. I feel like too. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. That's probably the, the next step. Probably something you can do too, yeah. a nonprofit organization. Yeah, hoping to. What do you want? So I asked you what you want to do in the next year. What do you want to? What do you see five, ten years from now? 
feel like this bigger. This where I'm allowed to do musical performances and I don't have to like be like overstepping like all the time. Like I want to have like drums and make it obvious that I have like, and you know, be able to promote it too. Like instead of being scared to, mm-hmm. like I can't even put a flyer out. Mm-hmm. I can't because then obviously they're gonna see it. So I know, just like I know how you like feel. That. Mm-hmm. that DIY mentality of like super secret, you know. Yes. I totally get it. It's it's kind of fun, but it's stressful. Like at your age, the first three DZ Fest, I started when I was twenty two. Mm-hmm. Your age, twenty three. No one could know. I couldn't tell my parents. It was all secretive. It was all hidden. I did it while they lived there without them knowing when they went on vacation. Wow. I know. So <laughs> stressful. Yeah, uh, it's aged me a lot, but so I get it. Like, people, why don't you promote it? Put it on Facebook. I would, I had to yell at my friends, don't put it on Facebook. My family's there. I had to mm-hmm. block people so they wouldn't know that I was doing these things. It, I had to until it got so big that it proved that it was okay. Like it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. But that weird gray area from like 2010 2015 was like like five years of doing that, just super secretive. And then eventually it was like, I proved like it was okay, but how do you prove that? Doing what you do, like staying sober, being on top of it, talking to the neighbors, talking to the community, talking with the police, like doing the stuff that most people don't want to do, don't know how to do, are afraid to do, don't have the endurance, the mindset, the wherewithal, and the drive to do. It takes a lot of patience mm-hmm. to be the person that has to fall on the sword and take care of everything. You don't get to have all the fun everyone has. When it does grow in five years, which I believe it will, you have to live that same way where you wake up earlier, you set up the gear, you're plugging in stuff, you're figuring out how to do the lights, you're, you're buying the band's beer, you're doing all these things. I mean, buying the band's beer for DZ Fest and the water is one of my favorite things to do, to go into this liquor store and buy 600 beers. It's hysterical. <laughs> Some of my favorite things to do is just do this. Like when I talk to the porta potty company mm-hmm. and they go, you, you want seven porta potties in your backyard? And us to come up the next morning and clean them out and and empty them and refill it with clean stuff to do it again. They're like, "What are you doing? <laughs> this is this is a private resident." I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have a big fest." They're like, "What?" It's hysterical. I, I I love the shock that people get when you just tell them what you do, and you probably get it too. That's the yeah. fuel when they go, "What do you do?" And you go, "Thank you for the fuel." When they say, "That's not going to work," I don't think that's a good idea. You go, "Thank you for the fuel." Like. It is going to work because I see the effects. You're the one seeing those kids. You're the one seeing people come in and talk about it. Just ignore everybody else. Like literally ignore everybody. When you seem a little crazy and it seems a little like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, like you are. Like self-doubt and anxiety I think is evolution's way of saying like keep doing it. You're afraid of what's on the horizon or on the over that hill because you can't see it, but you can anticipate it based on the previous experiences and what you learn from people you respect, what they've done in their life. You could take all that information, anecdotal, scientific, experimental, it doesn't matter, and you can see beyond the horizon, see what no one else can see. Mm-hmm. And only you and you alone can do that. And it's, it's part gift and it's part drive and, and experience. It's not luck. I don't like the word luck. Luck is preparation meets opportunity. You have prepared your whole life to be an artist. You, did, you went to the Art Institute. You worked, you mixed stuff, and then the opportunity arose, arised, and the person saw it and was like, yeah. So the studio like isn't, people would call it luck who don't know any better, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's the opportunity came up and you were prepared for it. You know, 
That's a nice way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I haven't looked at it that way. I, no? I have always told people, like, I just got really lucky that I saw this opportunity. But, yeah, I feel like at that point, like, I was ready for it. Like, it yeah. felt like such a perfect moment. It it's, just, like, it, weirded me out. It was so of course. perfect. It's not luck, though. But that yeah. has been us in this society with our income and families to be like, you know, you don't deserve this. Like, you know, you can't have a nice studio in Oak Park mm-hmm. where you have art. It's, we're not told to have that. We're told you got to work, you got to suffer, no vacation, don't be happy. You're going to work for the man, be put down. It's not a healthy way to live. It's, you can, you know, arise and you can break through, you know, where you're from and change things. And I'm not saying forget where you came from. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying never forget where you came from and see where you can go. Mm-hmm. Move forward. Always propel yourself forward with, this momentum and yeah, it's not luck. I mean, there's no, how could it be luck? You, you were the right person to do it. If you didn't work so hard and that landlord didn't see your body of work, they would not have given it to you. They went, went to a different artist or mm-hmm. vice versa in any way, shape or form. It, it goes both ways. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's not luck. I think it's, you did the work and someone saw it and they appreciated it and they wanted to give you an opportunity. You know, and as long as you keep doing the work, these opportunities will keep happening, you know. They will. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, they really do. Like, after one thing ends, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have anything to do. And then, like, I get an email or a DM. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I have the next thing to do. And it's so weird. Like, there's never really an empty, like, week of work. There's always, like, a new project going on. And mm-hmm. I'm just so happy to finally have, like, that consistency. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's like an uh, imposter syndrome, right? You're just like... always. Is this? Am I really doing this? I'm like no one else is doing this at my age. Like, is this fair? I'm like, do I deserve this? And it's, I always have to trick myself and go like, yeah, I do, because like if it's happening, it's happening. If I don't have to check my reality when I have tens or dozens or hundreds of people telling me it, like you're doing good, this is great, wow, I love this. Can I work with you? That's all you need to justify it. You're not an imposter. It's just what people have been taught when they come from, you know, a working class family. And like, you're not going to be an artist. You're not going to do something creative. You, you got to find that job, do it, and work your life away. So when you don't do it, and everyone else around you is doing it, you feel start to feel pretty bad and guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, at least I do. <laughs> and I, I've been doing it for a long time, and I still feel guilty. You know, it's weird. So hopefully, yeah, it's it's not just even guilt. It's just more like remembering that, like even though. We're doing it and like we enjoy it. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I have to remember like if someone likes their nine to five job, like don't be that same bad person to them and like, mm-hmm. oh, you should do this. Like not everyone's a business person. Not everyone enjoys it. No. So like I sometimes catch myself like, okay, stop. You enjoy this. <laughs> Maybe they don't want to like make an art gallery. Like they don't have to be your exact equal or like. Yeah. So just right. learning that everybody like has equal jobs and they all matter and we all like work together. I have we to. We need all of them. I have to remember that too sometimes. You're very wise. We mm-hmm. absolutely do. And we need all these jobs. We mm-hmm. need someone to do that. We need the electrician who fixes the electricity when the circuit breaker breaks and you need to have it replaced because you don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. We need all these jobs. Someone's having fun. The only difference is you're aware of that. We just need everyone to be aware of it and have that nice exchange instead of them looking down at you or belittling your work. Mm-hmm. Just like you're not doing it to them, they shouldn't do it to you. That's all I want. I know that it's not for everybody. I, it, there's no way it is. It takes a little bit of a crazy person to do these types of things, yes. and it's not for everybody. But to me, I go, you're sitting in a cubicle nine to five, like you're way crazier than I am. 
But to them, they're like, I would never risk all that and like put all that on the line and take out, try to invest all your money and time into something you can't prove will actually work. Mm-hmm. You know, it is pretty risky, but it's like, I don't know any other way to live. This is just who I am. It's, I don't, life's too short. People die every day. Kids, there are stillbirths. People die before they're born and people live to 100. And the whole spectrum in between, I can't account for. I don't have answers. I don't know what's going to happen. So because of that, I have to live in every moment, every day, do what I love, talk to people I enjoy, learn from that, use it for fuel for the next thing and just keep going. And like plan a little bit, you got to be an adult, but I'm not going to let it consume my life. And it's probably why I don't have kids. (laughs) I get that. I feel like like everything, like as soon as I wake up until the time that I go to sleep, it's just like, what's the next thing going to be? But like, it's so fun that I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah. 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 No, I, you should. My, my only advice is to always remember to, and I'm guilty of this, mm-hmm. and I need to take my own advice. Still remember to make time for yourself because when hobby, fun, job, passion, and all of them start to intersect, most people don't have that. So when it does, you start to not know when is downtime, when is hang time, when is work time, and it gets really blurry. And before you know it, you're working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year. Yes. And that's cool and fun at 22, 23, 24, 25, but by the time you get to 32, you will burn yourself out. You will miss out on stuff. You'll miss out on like fun, normal, social things. Mm-hmm. And you might resent some of it. Sometimes I resent past then because I'm like, I, I missed out on some stuff. When everyone was doing this mm-hmm. and I focused on this DZ world, I missed out on all that. At the time, I didn't care because I was driven, but now I'm like, ah, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I didn't go to that, I didn't go to this, I didn't go to those parties, that bar, and I'm like, was it worth it? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I'm in that right now. You are. Oh, I'm like in it. It's so hard because like with friends, I I feel so bad when they're like, like band members especially, do you want to hang out? What song are we recording? Do you want to hang out as friends? Oh, okay. Are we going to just do a photo shoot or no, like let's just hang out as friends. Or like if I'm just like, if my boyfriend comes over and then I just like, I'm like, mm, I feel like we're not doing anything productive. Like, what do you want to talk about? Like, what, what can we do? And I always have to do something. Like, do you want to draw with me? Do you want to paint with me? Like, let's let's think of something to do. And, like, I can't find a moment to just, like, sit down and Be chill. Present. And they try to get me to do that. Like, let's play a video game. Ten minutes tops. And I, 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 yeah. I can't. I can't do it. I can't it. either. <laughs> I never. There's so many video game and game nights at my friend's house, my house. And they're always, like, they stop asking me, I think, at this mm-hmm. point. Bowling, this, that. I'm just like. I just, it's not, I feel like something isn't happening. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's no output. There's nothing that's changing life or world. And it's, it could be kind of to your own detriment, your own, you know, it's, it could be yeah. unhealthy. Like knowing when to stop. And I have to learn how to know how to stop. Be present. Do you ever, do you ever meditate? I've had a lot of people suggest that. <laughs> that is something, mm-hmm. walks, like long walks can be meditative. Things like that can help mm-hmm. learn to be present. Not the phone, which... Is part of your life. You've had it half your life. That's mm-hmm. a big one. I try to, it depends on the circumstance, but I try to like past 6, 7 p.m., like put it away or at least leave it out of reach. And it's hard because I find myself going, touching, just, where's the phone? And yeah. like you just got to stop. Like the email, the text can wait. There's obviously in certain situations, say you're talking to somebody and the only way to talk to them is through phone and you need it near you, but if you're not, if you're with people, the only people you're going to talk to that night, then yeah, put it away. That can help be present because now you're not booking stuff and getting an artisan. Like 
it becomes very obsessive and can be hard on your psyche and it won't go away and got to learn to be present. Take yeah. vacations. Do you ever take vacations? I should. I don't. Road I think the trips. last one was like a family vacation oh, when I was 12. you don't have a car. No, no, I Your walk last everywhere. vacation was when you were 12? Yeah. I mean, it was nice. We went to Disney. It rained like all week, but it was still, it was still fun. Um, that's you got to go on another vacation. I know. Go on a road trip with your boyfriend. Right. I, I, that's all I do is road trip. That's mm-hmm. like all I know how to do. It's fun. And meet other artists and stay in their spaces and travel the country. And there's other people on this planet that do stuff like this, you know, meet them and work with them. And yeah. it's fun. It's mm-hmm. like the best way to vacation is just hang out with other artists in cooler cities and different cities and meet different people of different backgrounds. It's, I recommend it. Most people's vacation is like, I went to a resort in Mexico. I went to, you know, mm-hmm. I went to Paris for a week, stuff like that. I want to do that too. I, mean, I haven't done it. But I, every time I go, oh, I'm going to go to Seoul, South Korea, I go, can I fit my camera and mics to record a band? And I'm like, is that work or am I having fun? Like, I don't. But it's so cool. It's so hard. It's so yeah, hard. But to that's not, like your passion. That's what you're is. like geared towards. I can't stop it. I can't yeah. stop. <laughs> but you can't either. No. Apparently, Mm-mm. you've always been that way. Always, always like even like the mom of the group of like always a more mature one. Like you have to learn how to have fun, relax. Like this is I how know. I am though. But I just I feel like I am relaxed though. Like this is only a normal state of yeah. being, and it's I'm, I'm chill are. like this. Like it's just it's who good. you are. I yeah. know. Wow. We're we are rare. Very, we are like uh, kinder spirits. Yeah. A lot more than I knew. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny how that works. Very similar. Chill, dude. Relax. It's like, this is me calm. Yeah. All right. So I have an, like, I don't want to be buried, but if I was, my tombstone needs to say, I think I have an idea. Because I said it so much to my friends, like, what is it this time? <laughs> He's always got an idea. And, but it's, is that a bad thing to, to be remembered for that you had an idea? No, not at all. It's not. No. It's probably annoying to those around you who don't have, ideas or don't at least vocalize them it could be that too maybe we're just we lost that part of the brain that goes like you don't need to say that and we just or do that mm-hmm. and we just the filter's gone you know i've met very few people like you or i and it's weird yeah you, know, you always, you always feel rare like just walking around like i want to find someone similar to me it's like eh, you never really do <laughs> no you don't okay. you don't it's but when you do you know, and you want to like hang. You want to hang out on that person, romantic or platonic. You just want to like be around that those types of people. Mm-hmm. And I have very, very few friends in my life. Very few people where I'm like, I want to be around. Like I want to hang out with that person. I want to stay in touch with them because mm-hmm. they just they're on the, we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same page. We like the same stuff. We had the same conversations. You know, I essentially have a podcast every morning of my life. I don't actually do one. But I go on a five-mile hike with a friend, sometimes it's one or two or three, and we, we talk like this for an hour and 15 minutes from 8 a.m. to 9.15, six days a week, like nonstop. So it's, I'm always like learning and being, being challenged by, God, oh, that's a good idea, and think about that. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of people I know would do that or want to do that. It's like a whole part of life that takes a lot of dedication and be very deliberate to be okay with if you're in a bad mood to get out of it and have a conversation to learn. And I always learn and take something away from this awesome two-way thing where I got to exercise, I got to like be, do a meditative thing, and I got to like learn something and have a good conversation, a good exchange of ideas, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really nice. So that could be something you could try, like go on more walks, do more meditation, deal with people that are more like-minded, you know? 
I'll try that. Currently, I'm on a treadmill usually, and like <laughs> it's it's literally the opposite. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go on like a higher incline. I'm gonna go at a higher speed, so it's like the opposite of yeah. chill. Yeah. So I'm gonna try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love going outside. I don't like gyms. Like, I go out into the world. The gym is a world. The gym has, the world has everything you need for exercise. You know. Yeah. That's so true. What time is it? Oh my God, we've been talking for two hours. What? Wow. Be- Honestly, it felt like an hour. Can you believe That's that? That's crazy. Okay. Anything you want to share, plug, promote, anything like that before we head out? Of course, the studio. Mm-hmm. Instagram, like we've been talking about, Instagram is studio underscore underscore Nez. Um, I'll get on TikTok one day. I'm, I still have a little bit of anxiety about that. So yeah, for now that, studionez.com. Wonderful. I can see you doing very well with TikTok too. Yeah. That's right. I know, I, I barely use it. I'm like, I just started using it. I don't actually use it. I post like Instagram mm-hmm. clips to it and I don't even do that. So, mm-hmm. but Nez, thank you so much for inviting me into your studio. It's really cool. I really respect what you do and admire it, especially at such a young age. You have a lot of wherewithal and forward thinking, which is very rare of people at your age. So keep doing it. You'll go places. If you, I'm here if you need anything. And uh, from like-minded people who don't know how to shut their mind off, um, I think that we can do something good with the imagination we have and the life we've been given. So keep doing what you do. I definitely want to come to the next event. This is really cool. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. For sure, come. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Take care. You too. Bye.